three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Oh, yeah, it is going down right here, right now. Episode 27 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Of course, I am your host, Moods616, and I've always got my hetero life mates with me. <laughs> and he has older 22. And of course, we got the homeboy, Double Shot J. What's up, homies? Yo, What's going yo. on, everyone? What's going on? Oh, yeah. So, how was everyone's weeks? <laughs> <laughs> well, yesterday was uh, a weird day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, came home to do the podcast. I guess we can mention it. We yeah. recorded about a half hour to show. We had some technical difficulties, so we decided I to... I wouldn't so much say we had technical difficulties. It was all on my end. Yeah, but at least it wasn't like a three-hour episode. Like, my bloody Valentine was oh, man. lost. Yeah, for those but of it... you guys who don't know, we lost like a full episode almost. It had probably a, a one of our best discussions. It was about Charlie Band and Full Moon, and it's just lost in the Cyber space space. and time of of uh, land that that is so disappointing that was a good conversation it still right? hurts yeah it, it does still it, hurts. it definitely hurts yeah but you know at least with yesterday like we knew right from the start going into it that we were that i was having uh, internet issues and stuff so we just decided to call it quits after half an hour and fuck it we'll do it tonight yep. but you know so it wasn't like you know it wasn't that hard hard of a blow but yeah you know it was basically the news segment yeah mm. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly what it was. So, yeah. So, you guys get up to anything exciting this weekend? Um, hell no. I don't do anything on the weekend except for work. Not really. I had a pretty epic hunting trip on Friday, like we talked about yesterday. Like, um, it's probably right, the best. Right. Yeah, it was the best trip of the year for sure. Found a copy of Fright Night Two for six bucks. Found a Criterion Blu-ray for a buck, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> And I picked up. <laughs> That's just unbelievable. And I picked up four Blu-rays and six DVDs for eleven dollars of Family Video, which was yeah. awesome. <laughs> you yeah. know that fright that Fright Night Two score is just an amazing score. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely up there with some of the best scores I've ever heard of. Wh- what was honest. your best score ever, Moods? Oh yeah, we never talked about that. Mm, I don't know. Did I tell you guys? No, mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Like, I don't know. Have that, you, you get that feeling like I've gotten that feeling like like three times now when you're like, oh, shit, this is awesome. And then you're like, can't believe it. I found this. Like you get that. You get like your your heart drops because you're so excited that you found something for like. A I steal. actually I honestly can't really pinpoint what the like the best one is. But I always remember one in particular. Um, it was a uh, an Anchor Bay lenticular covered of bad taste, that limited edition one. Mm. Um, that I came across for like three bucks. What about I think... the Sleeping Corpses Lies tin for five bucks that we got on eBay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was an amazing deal. Yeah, that one usually went for what, 30, 40 bucks? Yeah, about that. 
Yeah, and that was a total steal because it was actually an auction that no one bid on. Yep. Surprisingly, and got it for five bucks. Now that was a score and a half. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really good question for like a top five. Oh yeah. Like, what yeah. are your top five all-time best scores? Well, I can tell you a few of like mine. Mine aren't really like scores. They're just kind of like, like. I ended up getting stuff for like cheaper than they, I guess they were kind of scores. They're not like out of print scores like Jeremy has though. Um, I remember getting dogs on DVD before it was re-released by whoever did the Blu-ray Scorpion, uh, dogs on DVD and maximum overdrive for around $3 each from walmart.com. That was kind of cool. Um, and then another time I had the Halloween digi book when they first came out with it, you know, when it first was released. Yeah. I was at Walmart and oh, yeah. uh, they like oh, rung yeah. it up and it didn't like it rang it up like twice or, or it didn't even ring up or something. I just walked out with it and got it for free. And then actually this past week, uh, what what time? What the hell are they called? TCM, uh, yeah. Turner Classic Movies, shop.com. They had a sale or not a sale. They had a pricing error. They had the Halloween box set. For like twenty five dollars, and everybody and their mother was ordering them, and they caught on and was like, "Oh shit, we gotta hurry up and cancel all these." But they also had a bunch of other things that were uh, pricing errors, and they had from Dust Till Dawn season one on Blu Ray, and I ordered the Halloween set and from Dust Till Dawn uh, season one Blu Ray, and they canceled my order, refunded me money, but my from Dust Till Dawn Blu Ray still showed up in the mail. So originally I paid $15 for it and then I ended up paying nothing for it and got it. So that's a pretty good score, right? It's like $37 on Amazon right now. Hey, Moots, you got the Chucky set for free. You got two Chucky sets for a price of one. That's right. And and actually, um, JP's story just reminded me of a story that happened when I made an order to import CDs, I believe a year and a half ago or something. And they're really good. Like they usually, you know, ship out my stuff within a day or two. But this particular order, it never said that it shipped. And I kept like waiting and waiting and it just never shipped. And so I emailed them, I'm like, what's up with this? And they never responded to me. So I emailed again and no response. I'm like, what the hell's going on with this? Like I fucking, you know, paid for this order and stuff. But I looked in my visa receipt or, you know, my visa account and the money never came out of my account. So I'm like, okay, like what the fuck happened here? Right. So I just chalked it up as a complete waste of time or whatever. I made yeah. this order. They're not going to ship it. Put it out of my mind. Uh, a couple weeks later, I'm checking the mail. I get this box from import, and I'm like, did I make it another order? I couldn't even fucking remember because you know me. And I open up the box, and it was the order I'd made. And I believe it had five Blu-rays and three Scorpion DVDs in it that I actually got for free. They never did charge me for it. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Yeah, I get sh- I, I've had shit where, you know yeah. me, I'm, I'm the best at fucking bitching at customer service and getting shit for nothing, so... I've had my experience when shit gets lost in the mail and then it shows up three days later and then especially with Amazon. Amazon's good, like if something doesn't <laughs> show up with like within like four days and you just go on like their their live chat, they usually just refund you or send you another one and UPS will probably deliver it sooner or later, but Yeah. Um, I've gotten some stuff for nothing. Even though that's kind of wrong, but <laughs> well, well that's it, what well, it's I had their to do. mistake, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not something that you're doing. Like, well, I pay for Prime. Oh. It should be here in two days. It should take five days. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't mm-hmm. you hate? That's the worst. Yeah. Oh man, that, that's so it. irritating, man. That happens to me actually quite a bit. If I'll notice, like in my Amazon account, if it ships from like you know back east in Ontario, I know it's not going to be here in two days. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> every time, man. It always takes three or four days. So I've asked you this before. Who delivers Prime in Canada? Does UPS do it? Yeah, it's UPS. But sometimes it comes through the Canadian Post too. So it goes if if it's going through Canada Post, it'll go into my mailbox. Like I have a mailbox at like the end of the street kind of deal. And UPS actually delivers a read to my door. And if I'm not home, then they'll put it in my mailbox that's attached to my house. Oh nice. So it's kind of weird like that, but but yeah. I actually recently used that live chat with Amazon and that really does work. So oh, if anyone's it works every there, time. Every yeah, time. if if anyone's ever, you know, thought about it or whatever it actually does help and they're, they're, they're on there and they're answering every question as quick as they can because i got on there about uh, the battery blu-ray because we all know we were supposed to do this this main review uh last week mm-hmm. and uh so I, I asked them i was like what the hell's up with this like this i had this thing pre-ordered my never shipped what's going on and they simply said that screen factory did not send enough copies they just didn't have enough they actually sold out of them so the pre-orders were obviously sent out in sequence or whatever and i was like that's crazy and they didn't that's give you anything crazy. uh they they rush shipped it some prime account they shipped it overnight the day it shipped i got it like the next morning yeah so yeah. it was like just a one day like man, an overnight I would have got, got it for you for free man I know I even said I was like hey you gonna refund my money she's like well we'll just give you one day I'm like oh come on I, I mean <laughs> I really hope that they they figure out a way to like get more copies because I mean like I said we want to cover all of the contemporary Scream Factory films on the show so we'd like to do them as close to the day that they come out as possible and if yeah. you're not getting them till three weeks after they come out or two weeks after they come out or whatever, that's annoying. Damn it. it. It's been this summer, though. Like, there's been a few titles, and it's mostly been Screen Factory titles that have been just not shipping, and I usually have them pre-ordered. So I'm hoping that, because I pre-ordered The Squad recently, and I believe that's another one that we're eventually going to be doing, too. Yep. Um, but, I, I mean, I hope that one ships right away. So. Well, I but think I that th- one's actually slated to be covered on the show a few weeks after it comes out, so. Yeah. So I, I don't think we'll have a problem there, but yeah. I mean, the point is, I just hope that that one, you know, I actually get that copy when it ships, <laughs> supposed to ship. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, also this weekend, um, I had a birthday, which was awesome. Yeah, uh, really thirty-four turning into an old fart, as W <laughs> Dub says. When is Jeremy going to call moods an old fart? Well, I just <laughs> did. Uh yeah, yeah. It's it's um. It's a little depressing because, you know, next year I'll be in my mid-30s and then I'm just closer to 40. So that's just not good. Just makes me feel old. But anyways, had a good time this weekend. Like I say, you can still out-drink me any day of the week, so. <laughs> yeah, Surprise well, fucking two-year-old could out-drink you. Yeah, I asked me I had two drinks. I had two drinks before the day I got the stomach flu, and I was fucking tipsy as hell. And was like... <laughs> oh, man. Is that like a common thing with juice? Is that a common thing with Jews? Um, I don't know. No? <laughs> not really. Not really. No, I don't think so. I just but. don't drink, so when I have two drinks, I'm tipsy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, man. So, uh, JP, do we got some news? It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life. Death. Yeah, we do. Uh, first up, 
The Purge 3, the writer and director James DeMonico is returning for the third film. So, I mean... That's all know, right. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I like when... It, it, it doesn't happen often, right? I mean, no. it's not often they stay to the third one. They're usually gone. Maybe they'll stay stick around for this, the first sequel, you know, the second film, but they're usually gone after that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. hell. So, uh, Blumhouse, Platinum Dunes, and Universal are moving forward with The Purge 3, which I believe was already announced... I think right. So uh, oh, that's another movie we talked about today in one of my class in the cl- in my class because my professor was like, "Yeah, Purge Two was a better film, but Purge One was made was shot better." It's like I could see where you're coming at, but I would love to see like the Purge One shot. I mean, the Purge Two shot like the Purge One. I think. What's the uh, what's the consensus with this film right now? Is it actually good? I'm hearing it's better than the first one, but it, I still am not. Well, see, the the thing is. From the mainstream, everybody loved The Purge. But from mm-hmm. like the, the hardcores, nobody liked The Purge. But from what I'm hearing from the mainstream, it's right around like The Purge 2 is awesome. And from the hardcores, it's like it's a little – it's better than this the first one, but it's still not amazing. <laughs> so that's what I'm getting. Interesting. I'm curious to check it out. Yeah, I mean I'm going to see it. I like the concept. I'll give it a, another shot. But th- I mean this is our new Saw, right? Or our new paranormal activity, I guess. Oh, wait, <laughs> it, you know what I mean. That's right. Mm. I'm I'm happy with it. It's better than paranormal activity. So yeah, because there's so many. We've talked about this before. There's so many things that they could do, like yeah. with this idea. So well, that's the thing. It's just you could change the setting every time, and it becomes you know it's the same type of film, but it's different. They should set it time. in like a really poverty-stricken area where there's like no defense. Well, I think they'll save that for part five or six. It'll be in the hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Postmaster P will make an appearance. You know, and then Postmaster it'll be, P's and then, fucking shit up. And then part ten, they'll take it to space. <laughs> and you somebody's totally... hand will get cut off, and you'll see their middle finger floating. And then, yeah. and then oh, in man. part eleven, it'll verse uh, paranormal activity. <laughs> you know for a fact that you know if they do make like seven or eight purge films one of them is going to be in space one of them is going to be in in the hood and one is going to have like a paranormal kind of <laughs> twist to it oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> definitely ah so good so good yeah so that was jason never went news. to the hood though um but he went to new york yeah the city yeah. part of new york so i guess so it kind of counts uh next up we have Twin Peaks is returning. What? Yeah, I just read this like as or just before I was uh, leaving work. What is up with that? Okay, so it is. I've never seen Twin Peaks, but I've heard nothing but good things. I actually own the Gold it, Box DVD set. It's fun. Yeah, uh, and basically, it's going into production in 2015, and it's going to premiere in 2016 on Showtime. And this will mark the 25th anniversary of the series, and David Lynch is going to direct all nine episodes. No. That's so fucking really? cool. David Lynch is going to... Really? Wow, I did. I thought is... for sure that he wouldn't have anything to do with it. Maybe, like, you know, some type Producer. of credit in there. Yeah. Producer credit or something, but... Wow, he's actually directing? That is super exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, and the guy who... the. The other creator, Mark Frost, is also involved. 
So it's like cool. really in house on this one. Um, did now, they did they did they say anything about any anybody returning to the show? Obviously, they'd be playing older characters and stuff, but it, it's unclear which of the actors are going to be featured in the follow up. It's going to be set in present day, from what I understand, and uh, mm-hmm. it. I don't know. It's like. Is it like a sequel show? I don't know how the original one ended or, or like whatever. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I think that that's, I like the idea that we can go back and grab like these old things, uh, that were awesome and update them and, and like continue them. Uh, tell us from the crypt. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Do you think it would still work? Yes, absolutely. All you need is good stories. <laughs> I guess that's a just wouldn't, it just wouldn't feel the same. But you know, you know, you would be surprised. I, I think they could, remember when Beavis and Butthead came out again. Yeah. Like it was, st- you was like, wonder how it's gonna work. It was the same shit. It was like exactly the same. It felt the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Beavis and Butthead's different than something like Tales from the Dark Side. Crypt. Crypt. Sorry, Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Dark Side too, though. But you know, like. As much as I want it back, I don't want something on the same lines as, like, the Twilight Zone. Like, the first – the original Twilight Zone series is just so good. It's so classic. The 80s is fun. There's a lot of fun episodes. It's not as good as the original series. And then you got the second incarnation of it, which was in the 2000s, which was – it just kept going downhill. So I, I don't want, like, you know, that type of decline in quality and stories okay. and stuff. I mean – I don't think there's a demand for it now in these days, to be I'm just really honest. Think I'm really surprised – with Let, all the fucking horror-related TV shows that we have right now, that there isn't one anthology show. That's mm-hmm. my thing. I think there's always a demand for an anthology horror show. But really quickly, um, they did say that uh, it is continuing the lore and the story of the original series, and it's going to be set in, in present day. Um, so, yeah. But really quickly also, I wanted to ask you, Moods, if you was going to do a Tales from the Crypt reboot, like recreate the show, would you have original stories from a team of writers or would you go back and do all the old vault of horror and science fiction stories and all of those stories and just redo the same stories again well thanks for asking me jp no i i would completely (laughs) see see it didn't really work like in the 2000 series of the twilight zone they redid some of the like the original stories and stuff and it just wasn't the same didn't have the same feel at all but um so for me i would actually like to see brand new stories like i would like to see another you know like another christmas related episode obviously not like you know the original tales from the crypt one um even though that episode is actually a remake of the segment from the movie (laughs) but you know what i'm saying like just just new stories i think it's a little bit different though because you look at the 80s series and they were taking stories from the fifties, so you mm-hmm. already they were already old stories. So yeah. I don't know. I think it. Yeah, I'm. I, yeah, you're right. I don't know if it would work. Maybe some of the stories, but also you'd probably need new stories. But Tales from the Crypt always had like twists and stuff. So I, I don't trust mm-hmm. like a group of writers to like, put pump out like good stories week to week. You know. Yeah, I mean. Really what it comes down to for me, I mean, obviously the story has to be pretty strong, but good casting too. Like That I mean, was what thing. Tales from the Crypt yeah. stick out, right? Yeah, completely. It was completely awesome like that. From every week, always had somebody recognizable and someone fun in the episodes, you know? 
it's just fucking it is what it is and like i mean today there's obviously there's like a million actors out there and i don't know you know it's a little more saturated but who knows i think it really does uh, come down to good casting so jeremy who knows Oh, so now you want to include me in the conversation, JP. The reason I said moods was because he was actually on my screen. I was staring right at him. Oh, I'm just <laughs> fucking with you. Um, Yeah, I want to see new stories. I don't want to see cutting cards and all my favorite episodes rebooted with sh- shitty CGI and crappy acting. Like, how could you redo like, a story like Cutting Cards, which is so classic from the series, and reboot? I don't want to see. I want to see new stories. Yeah. I could see. I could see if it would like work on but, like Netflix. I would or like to have like the same that. structure, though. I would like to have the same structure. You know, like yeah. the intro with the Crypt Keeper. Oh yeah, and, like, and you know that like cheesy and like the cheesy outro and stuff. And but I hope they like, didn't like make the tail creeper and fucking. CGI. <laughs> no, no, they still have they, that puppet and stuff. They can they can do that again. Oh yeah, I know that. But you know, freaking you know, bastards are cheap. But what I'm saying is, there's there wasn't. It's not like the stories were all taken up. I don't mean like the same exact stories. I mean, but from the same reference, like all those old comics. I'm sure there's more stories to get to. Do you take? Do you take and do? Uh, you know, completely new stories, or do you try to look for more? Uh, comic-based stories that they took them from originally. Hey, man, why not do both? If there is more stories from the original comic books, which <clears throat> I'm not like 100% familiar with, I honestly have never read any of them. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure there is. You know, Was maybe take some Jennifer? of those ones. But you would have to update some of the story, Like, not update those comic book stories, but you'd have to have some newer type episodes, too. Yeah. Right, so... But I remember, know. wasn't, like, Jennifer, the Argento Masters of Horror episode, based on one of those comics from around that time? I'm actually not yeah, sure. Me neither. So there definitely is more stories. And it maybe it doesn't have to be Tales from the Crypt involved of horror. There's, like, hundreds of, you know, horror comics from that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Through, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, back to the news. Zombieland 2. <laughs> Sony Pictures is uh, getting more serious about creating a Zombieland uh, sequel, and it's funny because I, I remember that. Remember the TV show? They actually oh made yeah, that was TV on show. Amazon. Yeah, it was one of Amazon's pilots, and it didn't get picked up. Yeah. Did you guys actually see it? No, no but I heard it was horrendous. I refused to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it shitty? I never seen it. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I I'm. I, I'm I, I gotta say, I'm not overly stoked for uh, a Zombie Land two. Yeah. Well, I don't. We really know JP Zombieland. doesn't like it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I don't. I I've watched it. I've liked it. I just can't get into it. The comedy is not my style of comedy at all. It's the same reason I don't like Shaun of the Dead. When I think of like good comedy, I think of stuff like Stitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that works well to me it's maybe it's a little too polished as well i don't know i'm not really a big fan of like the polished looking zombies and like the zombie films where it, it looks like overly hollywoodified i mm-hmm. guess it's really when you think about it there's not really that many hollywood zombie films it's all like yeah it's like world war z and yeah. zombie land but they all look really polished right mm-hmm I don't like. Like it. I love how everyone like says like zombie films are oversaturated, which is true, but not in like the mainstream cinema lies. Like I can't even think of the last B 
besides World War C, the last like mainstream zombie horror film. Warm Bodies, right? Oh God! I know Moods hates that film. I never. Yeah, saw. I guess. I guess that Warm movie. Bodies. That movie was fucking horrible. And then Land of the Dead. I'm sure there's some in between yeah. there, but yeah, you know, there there definitely is lots of theatrical ones and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like I like the original Zombieland film. Like, I mean, it, I thought it was funny. It was you know it it had me entertained for the whole ninety or hundred minutes, whatever it is. But um, but I don't know, man. I I just don't really need a sequel to it. I guess. What if they got just, all the returning players? I mean, it would that would be more inviting i guess if everyone's i mean i don't know yeah i don't i I just don't really know like what my entire feelings are about this but i'll have to watch it when it comes out or whatever the only problem with having like rehashing all the characters and stuff is that where do you take it you know are you gonna have twinkie jokes in there (laughs) or now it's been now now he's moved on all gone now yeah now he's moved on to snowballs (laughs) i don't know I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't have like a huge, huge problem with it. I mean, it's probably going to do very well, especially if the if everyone comes back. I think that's going to be a huge selling point. I would not want to be with moods in the fucking zombie apocalypse. Where's the fucking combos? Give me the combos. <laughs> it just feels one of those films that is contained to itself and really was like, it was kind of unique. It did its own mm-hmm. thing, but it doesn't seems like seem like it would translate very well into like a series besides like Mm -hmm. the roles and stuff like like i think you could do more with that but i mean it's a really contained film it it doesn't seem like it leaves much room to like grow yeah i mean it's a it's a zombie film a a comedy zombie film it actually fucking happens before we like yeah well they've been talking about it since the first one and it's been up Mm -hmm. and down and on and off and red and green well that's the thing talk about it yeah i just i couldn't believe how long this has been going like when did zombie land come out 2006 i believe oh nine yeah it was nine 2009 so it's already been five years and that's crazy it is yeah. crazy. It's like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the studio hired a new writer to write the sequel under the supervision of somebody else, of the director. So, yeah, it, they're still talking about it. And uh, next up, we have reports that I am legend. Like, I guess it's a reboot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a sequel or a remake or what. But essentially what they're doing is they have a script and they feel like it has the mythology and the structure of an I Am Legend film. So they're taking this existing script to a different film and they're morphing it into a script that will fit the themes of an I Am Legend reboot slash sequel. It will not star Will Smith. Um, that's what they were kind of waiting on when they initially wanted to do the sequel, but... Smith doesn't really do sequels, so that's stupid. It did Men in unless, Black. I was just going to say, unless it has Men in Black in the title. True that. <laughs> yeah. I don't really care. Really <laughs> I, to be honest, I am not. I saw the first one in theaters. I was like, <sighs> next. You know that first one made a lot of money, too, though. Yeah, I know. I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't hate it. I, I mean, we all know that it was way too polished once again, and it, it had a lot of CGI. Um, and the CGI was really bad. Yeah. Also. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I thought it was like I thought that the dog scene was good and stuff. Like I thought there was some stuff in there. I mean, I didn't I didn't overly hate the movie too. I just thought that you know the you CGI know was really bringing it down for me. I actually seen it in the theater, which is really yeah. weird considering I, I I go to the theater like once a year. <laughs> Man, I've been to the theater once this year too. That I haven't even been yet. I actually don't think I've been since I seen Halloween. Evil Dead. Oh, Evil Dead. Oh no, it was Halloween. You're right. It was last October. Well, you can go see Saw if it comes near you. I know that it won't. There's no way that's coming to my area. But absolutely, well, it's getting like a mainstream release. Are you serious? Yeah. Then I'm going to see it hmm. if it comes, dude. I I actually stand by it. Like a lot of people kind of forget, but Saw is an amazing film. It's it is one, an amazing. It's film. One of the best yeah. of the decade slash. Anything post nineties, it's it's literally one of the best films from that time. I love Saw. It's very iconic. I have to say, the ending is super iconic. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. People it's forget good how good that film is. Yeah, I, like I said, I <laughs> saw that in theaters. It's fucking eleven years old. I still yeah. remember it. You know what? I actually seen Saw and Twenty Eight Days Later back-to-back on video at uh, my cousin's, my older cousin's house. Um, I was with, I was hanging out with her son, who's, you know, a lot younger than me. And uh, we watched both of those back-to-back, and that was a hell of a double feature. So, yeah, uh, next up, we have Elvira. She is making a return to her horror hostness, uh, Mistress of the Dark, where she kind of host these old public domain horror films most notably night of the living dead uh and she's doing this on hulu i guess hulu plus which you know is kind of uh i guess it's similar to netflix right do you guys have hulu yeah. no but i know all the criterion no. films are on there so yeah i think the cool thing about hulu is from what i understand a lot of like mainstream shows um the night after they air the episode will be up on hulu so, you know, it sounds nice. kind of cool, but she's doing 13 Nights of Elvira. I've seen a list. Of, there's a list of all the films that she's going to be doing. But, I mean, dude, Cassandra Peterson, El- Elvira is still doing her thing. How awesome is that? Yeah, that is it, awesome. It is awesome. And she still looks good. Oh, yeah. Her tits look nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So check that out, guys. I, if anybody has Hulu and checks it out, let us know. How it is because I don't have Hulu. After that, we have uh, Don Mancini, who is, of course, Chucky creator. Uh, he wants to do a. Don't say it, JP. <laughs> don't say it. He's, he thought it would be cool to have Annabelle and Chucky do a film together. Ugh. I don't understand. It's like, you know what, Mr. Don Mancini? Go fuck g- yourself. Mr. That. Donald Mancini. Listen here, guy. You you take Chucky, who was in a bad place, and you send him in the right direction. And look at you. You fucking want to take him right back to the place where we don't want him to go. What is wrong with you? They he was on the right track. Jesus. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't understand that. That's such a fucking huge cash grab. I mean, that's worse than Annabelle. Yeah, but what he does say, it seems like he was just kind of throwing it out there. Um, uh, He said the only problem is they're from different studios, and it'd probably be years before it would ever work out. So, I don't know. 
don't do it. Please yeah. don't ruin my favorite character. Please. You already made me sit through Seed of Chucky. Please don't fuck it up. <laughs> Please, yeah. no. But the director, he said there is a connection, which I thought was cool. The director of Annabelle was the director of photography in 1991's Child's Play 3. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So he also is saying that um, I think he said something about maybe it would even be possible for Annabelle to make a cameo in the new in Chucky Seven or something, but um, he's actually writing that right now. So I mean, if anything out of this news, it gives us a little update that Mancini's hard at work on Chucky Seven. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's keep good it in know. the right direction, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it like it left off in a weird place where it felt like it was going back to the way I didn't want it to be. Yeah. But I mean, curse of Chucky was a strong film. I believe it made both of our top tens, Jeremy. Oh yeah. Number three. No, number two actually. Yeah. Mine was like number eight or something, but Hmm. I don't know. Did we ever hear Moods' opinion on curse of Chucky? Yeah, I said it. I said I liked it. I, I I don't think it was in my top ten though. I can't. Well, remember. You didn't see it at the time. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Next up, Amityville. Uh, we reported that Amityville: The Awakening was delayed. We just and- try not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we actually figured out why it was delayed, and according to Bloody Disgusting, they're inside source tells them that the Weinstein company had two uh, test screenings of Amityville Awakening and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Ugh. It's overwhelmingly <laughs> shitty. Yeah. And they said this, this is bit- really hard to believe. <laughs> it is hard to believe. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is it the fact that, you know, that the reaction was overwhelmingly <laughs> awesome or the fact that they just made another Amityville film. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Dude, yeah. First of the- all, it's called Amityville The Awakening. If that doesn't have like a Hellraiser 8 type sound to it, you know, like it's just as generic as like every uh, but you know, subtitle. You know, what's so bad? you know what's so bad about that title Awakening? It's like, this is the 10th Amityville film, or like 9th or 10th or something. Dude, if they're just awaking, I fucking take that. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of make sense, and it's kind of comical in the sense that some of the middle sequels are pretty fucking sleepable. Yeah. So, I mean, people have been sleeping, so maybe this is, you know, the Awakening, but... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Here, here I'm trying to justify this, because, you know, there's 10 Amityville films, but... You know what's funny? Is we keep calling it... They're fucking test screening Amityville films. Well, but this one is actually going to be like a theatrical, like, like mainstream release. So the last so, couple, I think, have been what, like, oh, they've been straight to DVD, yeah, for sure. But like, okay, so the last like bunch of Amityville films have been straight to DVD. So what made them decide to make a, you know, a new Amityville film that was going to be a, a cinematic release? Have a because release. they probably sat down and they was like, all right, all right, Harvey. Uh, you know, we can throw a little bit of money and make a, another directed DVD Amityville film, or we can throw a little bit more money and take it to theaters. What do you want to do? But the thing is, though, I think the last few have been, you know, like I said, they've been fucking pretty bad. Well, right? like, actually, why, what why was the last said... Amityville film? Was it the remake? I think it was the found footage one that we were I, talking about. Or yeah, is that think, this one? 
I think the found footage one is actually related to the original franchise. Like, no, I think to- the found footage one is like axed. I think this is the found footage they dropped. The <laughs> no, there was another footage. one. That, man, there's so many of them, I can't even keep up with it. But I just okay, on this like one, Amityville, Amityville Haunting. Haunting. Amityville the point Haunting is, was that the name of it? Yeah, I think that that's actually part of the franchise, like the original franchise. I don't know how many there are, but we call this one Amityville Ten, so that's what we're going to keep calling it for now on. Let's I, not just, give Let's not give Kevin Smith six million dollars to make Clerks three, but we're going to give money to fucking make Amityville Awakening. That sounds like such a great idea. I know it just blows my mind. It's basically this is the equivalent of um, Hellraiser ten coming out and it having a theatrical release. Yeah, like seriously, JP, like you can agree with that, though, right? Like all of a sudden they're like, oh, let's make this fucking big budget Hellraiser film. Yeah, we're which give it a they actually release. are doing. Like, well. At least they're considering doing so. Considering, maybe what they're trying to do is take their properties like Amityville and Children of Corn and Hellraiser, and they already, you know, got as much as they can out of the direct-to-video market with those films. Nobody trusts them anymore. Nobody's gonna buy your Hellraiser Revelations too. So let's just, you know, put money into them and make them big, so people actually go to see them, and then we'll make all the sequels to these low-budget direct-to-video things, and it's a cycle. I know exactly what's going to happen here. The creators of the witchcraft series are going to be like, seriously, guys, we have 14. The 15th one is going, we're going to make this big budget witch, witchcraft film and it's going to the theater, straight to the theater. Well, coming first they got to coming soon to a theater. We're going to have test you. screens. We're going to have test screenings and everything. We're going to invite all the Weinsteins. Everybody's going to be there. <laughs> big bowls of popcorn, <laughs> fucking jalapeno cheddar, fucking everything, man. It's going to be just amazing. It's going to be a great party. And uh, we're going to release this huge worldwide cinematic release. Dude, I'd love to see which like, fifteen. What's but, the runs the Roman numeral fifteen? Is it X and a V? Yep. Coming yep. soon. Which crap? X V. <laughs> X V. Yeah. Is there really fourteen of those? I think there is fourteen. Yeah. Uh, fourteen. I know yep. there's a lot. I think it has the record, right? For, for yeah, it, it. I think it technically is the biggest uh, horror. I mean Godzilla, but that's kind of like you know. Yeah, it's, I think it's yeah. I mean, I guess if you. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the main issue the audiences had the audience had was uh, the the ending. So they're doing reshoots, and I believe the director is actually working on uh, Shameless right now. The next season is Shameless, so he's busy, and then he's gonna come back do the reshoots, and then they're gonna pump it out next year sometime. So <laughs> yeah, I mean we're talking shit now, but watch it be good. That would be fucking shocking. Huh? Actually, there's only thirteen witchcraft films. Oh, That's there isn't a fourteenth number one? to end on. Nope, no fourteen, only thirteen. Mm. So my mistake. And so the last one came f- out in two thousand and six. So eight. well, number fourteen is going to be a two-parter, <laughs> both theatrical films. Yeah, <laughs> volume one and volume two. Awesome, awesome. Hitting theaters December two thousand fifteen. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, next up, we have. I believe this is next. We have the DVD announcements. So, uh, Bad Turns Worse. This is uh, Star- Stars Media. They announced they will release Bad Turns Turn Worse, which was formerly known as We Gotta Get Out of This Place, which I like that title a little bit better, I think. It's kind of long, but I like it. They're going to release mm-hmm. this in theaters and VOD November 14th. It's about three Texas kids who are having fun with a bunch of stolen money and to repay their debt. Somebody got them doing shit, stealing from bosses and shit, money laundering, gangsters, all kind of stuff like that. Gangsters. Yeah. But 
This film actually uh, premiered at the 2013 Toronto International Film Festival and won the Audience Award. So I don't know if it's horror, but it's on the horror websites and it won the Audience Award. So look, look, look forward to that one. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after that, we have a found footage style thriller called Mockingbird, which is going to be hitting digital HD October 7th, which is today. Um, so check that out. And it'll hit DVD and Blu-ray exclusively at Walmart on October 21st. And this film is uh, being released by Blumhouse and Universal. Blumhouse has been pumping out a lot of stuff this year. Town to Dreaded Sundown uh, and the Insidious films, stuff like that. Guarantee my Walmart will not be getting that film. <laughs> They've been really slacking on the new releases. It's lately. a Walmart exclusive. I hope they would carry it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Won't. If Walmart doesn't have their Walmart exclusive, uh, my Walmart never gets Walmart exclusives. I swear, it's ridiculous. I don't know, but I'm sure they'll get the new Lizzie Borden film though, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Fuck. Uh, I've been hearing good things about this one though, so that that's something that I'll probably end up grabbing when it comes out. And the cover what? looks pretty cool. I think there's like a clown on it or something. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Clowns are always good. Yeah. Uh, after that, Planet of the Apes. Not much horror, but you know it's in that world. I guess there's going to be the new film Dawn of the Planet of the Apes released on blu-ray and dvd on december 2nd and digital hd november 11th and also they're releasing a special edition planet of the apes caesar's warrior collection which has the two new films in it you guys seen that one it's very predictable but it's not too bad i guess no i haven't seen that one yet yeah i haven't seen it yet either but i did like that that remake rise one or whatever that was a good film so after that we have twilight zone this big ass set limited to 7500 it will include the uh 60s series and the 80s series both together with 41 dvds (laughs) it's so many i'm really hoping that they don't package this thing how they did with the uh just the 80s series re-release what, did I stack them? It's stacked. Oh, that's the it's worst. Got, it's got like a gatefold top and then... It's like, where the hell are you going to find a 41-disc flipper case? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know, I've been actually hunting for a couple of those, um, the the 14mm 6, I think it holds 6 in each, so I'm going to have to sleeve one of them, but I am looking to do that with my 80 series because I can't stand that those stackables. It's yeah. just... It's fucking ridiculous. I don't know why. But the thing that pissed me off about the the 80s series re-release is that it was put out by CBC. And CBC just recently released the entire Monsters box set, which was in three DVD keep cases, like in a nice little box. And, you know, this one's kind of similar, but it's got that fucking stack tray. Like, why the fuck did they cheap out so much with this oh. one? It's basically the same amount of discs, too. I think the Monsters set is around 13, 14 discs. And this one's 13. So... Come on, motherfuckers. That's ridiculous. Cheapos, man. It is cheap, man. I was really pissed. And, like, for the price, too. I mean, if you're going to stack that shit, at least give us, you know, like a 1999 fucking yeah. bargain deal on that. That shit was 43 bucks. You know, thinking I'm getting, you know, DVD keep cases, you know, so the shit doesn't get all fucked up. But, no, that's not the case. So, now I got to go hunt down a couple six-pack 
fucking, you know, keep cases. That fucking. definitely is not the case. It's not <laughs> the case that you want. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But no, I, I imagine with a 41 disc set, they're not going to be stacking that shit. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah, I need to get fucking disc 38. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, By the time um, you get uh, those other discs, would just be scratched the shit, man. I did briefly was... look at the picture, and it just looked like there was a lot of stuff there. So I just like didn't really pay that much attention to it. It just looked like just tons of stuff. And I was like, I don't even want to try to remember this for the show. Just... You know, look up the picture, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something I definitely won't be purchasing. Like I said, I have the original, I have all the series anyways, so that's just not on my radar. I know this is kind of off topic of horror. Right? Aren't you guys gonna pick up the Wonder Year sets? I want to eventually, but it's a little out of my price range now. It is my yeah. favorite show of all time. Yeah, that's why I asked. So yeah, yeah, it is pretty pricey right now too. I, I think eventually I'll pick it up too. Yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, shows. It was. You know, the time mm-hmm. it was out was just amazing for me. So, yeah. But uh, uh, after that, we have Twilight Times. They are re-releasing Fright Night Blu-ray. I don't know if it's limited. Uh, I'm, it probably is. They're gonna. It's the 30th anniversary. It's gonna be released January 21st. They got a bunch of new special features and stuff. Um, yeah. I don't a know. bunch of new ones. I think they're putting yeah. special features on these. You mean? <laughs> it still makes them new. I think the Christine but has I, some special features on it. Yeah, and I also heard that they're doing new transfers for them too. Yeah, because I remember like a lot of people complained yeah, about are. the transfers on both those. So I think that's what they're going ahead and doing, trying to make the fans a little more happy. But you know what they could do? Stop eliminating their shit. Yeah, that would make. That would make all the fans happy because then, uh, you know, somebody could actually see Fright Night in HD. This is going to happen again. These are going to be limited to 2,000 or 3,000, whatever the fuck they are. 3, they're going to sell out and then they're, it's going to be deja vu all over again with these. I just don't get it, man. I just like I understand you you hike up the price a lot and then you make, you know, a lot of money really fast and it probably helps you get you know, future releases because you have that bankroll coming in really fast. Um, but it, you're just denying people from seeing films, man. I don't like that whole, that's like the main issue I have with it is you're denying people from seeing these versions of the film. And you know, that's just not cool, man. Mm-hmm. I don't like yeah. it. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. It's, it's like, then you have the people who sit in line and wait and wait just to grab like as many copies as they can and then re- they resell them and it's like – You can't do that anymore. No, they're, f- they're, they're completely limited. How it's many one. Now. You can only buy one copy. Yeah, but I'm sure that you know these people find ways around that though, right? I mean like you have like six of your friends like sitting around like order like six at a time you know, or, or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure there, there's somebody out there who's, who's – um, figuring a way out to you know get a couple extra copies or whatever but my point is you know even even if it is just one person who who buys it and doesn't plan on owning it and just wants to resell it once it goes out of print you know it feels like they're 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 stealing they're like you know you know what i mean they're it's extortion (laughs) extortion (laughs) uh yeah I, i know i know you're getting that but I don't know. I, as far as I know, I don't think Twilight Times is ever going to stop 
you know, no. limiting their stuff. So I think that's it is what it is. So if you ever want to film, then you just got to jump on the, the jump on the site and yeah. <laughs> jump on that site and just fucking pick it up. Surprisingly enough, I think we were me and Jeremy were talking about this earlier, and we um, the Blob actually still has copies left. Mm-hmm. Blob remake, still which there. is really really surprising to me that that didn't sell out right away. It's very interesting. I think maybe less and less people are actually trying to support Twilight Times. Maybe I don't know. Well, like I said before, I will never support them as long as they're limiting their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. After that, Arrow Video is going to the U.S. They have a Indiegogo campaign. They are releasing a couple films. You can, uh, you know, they're trying to get their funding to create offices and all of that jazz in the U.S. Of course, they will be releasing different films than they would be in the U.K. Due to the rights issues being different in different uh, territories. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking awesome. <laughs> it really yeah. is. I'm super stoked for that. I mean. Arrow Video had a flash sale, I believe, fucking three weeks ago or something. And I'm still waiting for my copies. I ordered three De Palma films. You got Sisters? I did order Sisters. Yeah, I ordered one too. And uh, yeah, and I'm like, where the fuck are they? (laughs) So, you know, but I guess it's not really a whole lot different. A lot of times when I order stuff from the U.S., it does take a couple weeks too. But still, I like the whole idea of them coming over here. I think it's awesome. Because I especially like it considering I will not buy region lock things that i don't have a player for mm-hmm. um i'm just real stubborn that way i just won't do it i never have done it i would maybe do it if it was like a really cheap dvd or something like the howling nine or something <laughs> but like i'm not gonna go buy this super awesome special edition that's you know gonna surprisingly cost me- enough the howling the howling uh seven i think is the one that that only has a region two release no is it six or seven that one's actually not cheap. Yeah, it's not. It, it goes for it like to be. You know, anywhere like five, six, seven pounds, which is like fucking four hundred, four hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. No, it's you know fifteen bucks kind of thing. It's like holy mm. shit, dude! I want to pay fifteen bucks for this really, really shit fucking Howling <laughs> sequel that is eluding my collection because it doesn't have a Region One release. <laughs> like, yeah, fucking kidding me? I just yeah, I just haven't been able to find a good price on it. But they have a cool, a, a few cool deals out there where, um, you know, on their campaign where you spend like sixty five bucks and you get the next three unannounced titles on Blu Ray. I like that idea. I would I actually. What if they're shit titles though? I don't know, man. Does I mean, yeah. Does I guess basically it would come down to getting any type of genre films like. I mean, they could be action films. They could be anything. So you yeah. don't really know what you're getting. So at the same time, oh, does Arrow not only do horror? Oh no, no, they well, they, they put out lots of stuff. They uh, put out action films. They put out you know a, a, yeah, vari- that would like a variety of. Them, but honestly, a lot of the films that they do put out are good films. I don't watch like, they don't, other films. But yeah, they they do put out like you know from other type of genres. They they put out pretty good fucking movies. So. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that's what I was kind of thinking about last night. I was like, "Well, oh, fuck, man! Like, I don't really want like. I mean, I like Delta Force, but do I need the Arrow Blu-ray of it? Probably not. They should release Men at Work. <laughs> they should release Men at Work. That would be fucking awesome. I still comic. want that. That's another movie I want to find in the wild, man. Mm. But uh, yeah, so with so with this deal, if you want to get like you know the three 
uh, unannounced things. You might not even be getting horror films. So yeah, see that unless, unless you can pick a genre, unless you can that would be cool if you could actually pick. You're like, oh, so what type of films do you watch? If you watch everything, put everything. You know, I just want yeah. horror films. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I didn't like you know look in into it and like read closely, but that that's a deal breaker for me because I give absolutely no fucks at all about getting a non horror release of anything. I don't I don't even buy non horror DVDs unless it's like the Goonies or something. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. So that would be a problem with some people, I guess, if you're not into all types of films. So yeah. Yep. Uh, and after that. We have Scream Factory announcing seven titles since Damn, our last show. So crazy. <laughs> oh, JP, it was so funny you showing me the text of, of our conversation. Scream Factory is really quiet these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's like the next fucking yeah. day. They just go apeshit with their releases or their announcements. Fucking bizarre, man. Mm-hmm. So they're doing their Shocktober thing. They announced a sale today, which I grabbed a few things. I grabbed Motel Hell, uh, Evil Speak, and another one. I can't remember what it was. But so they're having like these six pack sale things where a couple of their titles are at a low pr- lower price than they normally are, and it's you know free shipping if you order two. Plus there's these sweet magnets. Oh, they're uh, doing like, magnets instead of coasters. Yeah. Oh, nice. um, and I really like the coasters, so these magnets will be cool also. Um, and each week during October, they're going to have six other titles on sale. But they also lowered the prices on a lot of their other titles too. So now if there's Scream Factories that you don't own, now's a good time to grab them. So my only question is, when is Scream Factory going to lower their shipping prices to, to Canada? Why, how much is it to ship to Canada? 30 like bucks for one Blu-ray. Ish. Really? Thirty bucks is twenty nine ninety nine for one Blu ray. <laughs> I don't get it. What did I, I mean, ship I could, it like I, fucking buy Ferrari or something? Jesus. Ferrari? <laughs> no, there it, has it, to be a fucking, reason though, right? I it mean, fucking blows my mind. I, I mean I order shit from Arrow Video. I ordered like five Blu rays and it cost me less. What I, the fuck? I, I would assume that it would have to do with the um, process that they have of Don't shipping. Even try things. to justify that this is bullshit. Thirty fucking bucks, dude. Yeah, it cost me thirty six dollars to ship a six okay, pound box. Like, Does Charlie Benz secretly own Scream Factory? <laughs> no. What I'm saying is, it's about the process because when I when I get my Scream Factories in the mail, they don't come in like your typical package. It's like a big, like square ass, like rectangle, like giant thing. So mm-hmm. I think that it might be the the process in which they package and and do things right now is probably not the best for not thirty dollars worth. Dude, I order from Diabolic DVD all the time, and my shit comes in boxes. It comes with those air po- pocket things, and it comes in boxes. And so the, sh- the shipping's not even fucking close to that. Then? I don't know why. I mean, because they don't like Canada. I don't know. I don't think it's that. I think it's literally something that they just – there's something wrong with their process because why wouldn't they want to make more money, right? I mean – Well, obviously that's the thing. But who who can justify that though? Like you're going to pay no. fucking $20 for the Blu-ray and then 30 for – 50 bucks for a fucking Night of the Demons? Well, I think what yeah, they're saying so. there is like, like we're not selling to Canada but we can't say – we're not selling to Canada, so <laughs> let's just hike the price up. Why do what the fuck? Red you, all you're doing, all you're doing, is just denying people seeing films. Then yeah, JP. 
going like, against your own no, standards. You're not denying people from seeing anything. You can still get it. Nobody, nobody's gonna fucking pay that, dude. No one's dude, buying but shit I'm from saying, Canada. But yeah, you can still get it from Amazon, though. You're, they're not denying you from seeing it. I know, but what? Like, I would really like There's to, you know, order outlets. maybe get maybe get some of these fucking these uh, Screen Factory only, you know, promotional things like their coasters and their magnets and their posters and I, say, posters. I, I, I agree that it's an issue, but. I do know that they have stated something in the past about it being like, like out of their control right now. I don't understand. Like how? Like how do they not regulate in their shipping though? Like I mean, they must. Have, like who's doing this? No, I, I agree. It. I agree that they should should uh, shed some light on this because we are in the dark right now, and we I have no idea like why, but I'm sure it's something. It's not just you know, that they don't want to. I think Troma is the same way, though. Oh, Troma's website is fucking just as bad. And same yeah. with Full Moon. Full Moon yeah. to Canada, Troma, and Screen Factory are probably, I think, the three worst I've ever seen. Um, and it's weird, man. Like, I'll go to other websites, and it's, like, dirt cheap. Yeah. Like, dirt cheap to Canada. I'm like, It is fuck, never man. dirt cheap to ship something to Canada. Well, yes, I'm, it is. I mean, considering... What some of the average prices as, are? It's just as much to ship something to Canada than it is to the U.S. If it's like under like a pound, really? Because mm-hmm. I sent yeah. Moods Holliston season one, and it cost me ten bucks. What the fuck did you send it? Express? It's no, I, 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 the cheapest that the post office lady would let me send it. Well, that bitch is wrong because I sent a copy of Inside to Dylan, and it cost me like two dollars and forty eight cents or something. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so it, it it all depends on like who the car- like the way they explained it to me. It depends on who the carrier is going to be at that time and stuff like that. And I mean, I I don't understand the postal I went service, to, so I'm it, well, it doesn't make sense because basically, I remember shipping you a package, JP. I think I sent you five or six DVDs one time, mm-hmm. and that package cost me like fourteen bucks or whatever for five or six movies. Um, so I basically asked her, you know, because you're located in Pittsburgh. And I said, you know, if I wanted to send this package to my buddy who's in Toronto, which, you know, is obviously in Canada, and, and it was going to cost me 23 bucks. Holy that wasn't shit. crossing the border. And, like, we worked How? it out right at the – I don't fucking get it. And she's like, I don't even understand it either. So 23 <laughs> to Toronto or 14 or 15 to Pittsburgh, which is crossing a fucking border. Yeah. To explain it to me. I don't I don't understand. So I'm like – she's like, it changes all the time. I was make, like I said, it cost me $38 to ship a six-pound box to canada so yeah, it's kind of so, crazy it's six dollars a pound pretty much that's actually pretty i mean considering yeah yeah you know yeah. but wow yeah so shipping yeah it's it's annoying <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and i agree i mean scream factory needs to figure out what the hell they're doing and figure out a way to 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 you know, help out the foreigners on <laughs> on that note i haven't been to the website in a long time because i obviously don't go there to shop so i don't even bother yeah. But um, I should just, you know, go back and check it out just to see if the shipping still is the same or unless they change it. But as far as I know, I don't see any of those fellow Canadianers buying from Screen Factory. So I'm assuming that the shipping is still ridiculous. And when Maybe there, I could to- find out something. Maybe I'll, I'll try to look into it and see, like, why it's so much. And when mm-hmm. you're there, go to shoutfactory.com and order the Pee Wee Plays House Blu-ray Complete no, Series. Don't even bring that guy up here. <laughs> anyway, Scream Factory announced uh, two films first. They announced uh, some horror comedies, Love at First Bite and Once Bitten. Um, <laughs> this, I guess it's like a, a good double feature. I mean, like, 
pairing those two films together, right? <laughs> it's a perfect double feature, actually. They're both goofy-ass films, one with Jim Carrey. <laughs> and I assume both vampires, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, these are su- supposed to land Valentine's Day of 2015. Okay, dude, if you're going to make uh, Valentine's Day, like, uh, you're going to make films that can work for Valentine's Day, why the hell have you not released a Christmas film yet? That kind of makes me yeah, well, mad. Oh, no, they didn't release Christmas Eve. That was Synapse. They're doing all... New Year's uh, Eve. New Year's Eve, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. You're yeah. being a fucking idiot again. Well, that Christmas Evil's mad. getting a blue... Christmas Evil's actually getting a Blu-ray release from Vinegar Syndrome this yeah, year. Oh, really? Yeah, so they got... They acquired the rights from... Oh, well, I knew I read it somewhere then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After that, uh, they announced Class of 1984. Not much of a horror film, but it is, uh, you know, going to be a collector's edition. And you know, yeah. you know, if if they're if they're going to decide to release films like that, that's a title I'm actually pretty stoked about. That's something I'd want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. You know, it, it's not it's not a horror film. It's more of like a shell factory release. But I'm I'm fine with it because it's a very cultish film and it's it's a good one. It's a yeah. good film, and plus I don't have a copy of it either. And so it's hyper it violent, so I think that films like this, um, you know, I'll use my argument that I was using again for the zombies and infected thing. These are the films that if you was you know designing your collection by genre, this would be like right next to the horror genre. The horror genre would be leading into like this genre, the exploitation and stuff like that. Your Mad mm-hmm. Maxes, like those type of films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about this release. I, I like the film. Uh, Michael J. Fox is actually in it, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And then they announced uh, Supernova. Yeah, this one I haven't. What the fuck <laughs> is Supernova? I even asked this on the, when we were chatting. I was like, what the well, fuck is Supernova? <laughs> I know. I saw the when I posted in the group page there, and I was like, what the fuck? So I looked into it, and actually when I was looking into it, Joe Call, well, Call, Call, um, he he posted and he said the movie's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> so I like looked up and I looked up a couple of like just written reviews. And it's stuff. a disaster wow, it, film. Man. It really was getting it really was getting blasted, man. How the fuck are they releasing it? Is, it, is this a what year is it from? Uh, I actually don't. It's from the '80s, I believe, or something. Okay. I didn't actually even check. I I'm sure I did. I just don't remember. But so yeah, Supernova. <laughs> uh, it has Lou Diamond Phillips in it. <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, and. Then they announced Blackula and Scream, Blackula Scream. Some some black exploitation nice. there. I'm I'm hoping for some nun exploitation next. Oh, so Supernova is actually from 2000. Oh wow, what a weird year for Scream yeah, Factor. It came out right in 2000, like January 14th. Apparently, that's mm. crazy. Mm. It it definitely looks like a 90s film, but yeah, yeah, so. Oh, the the Blackula and Scream Blackula Scream? Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. That's a great double feature, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, good yeah. times. Yep. So, yep. Are, so were they supposed to be announcing more in this October? Yeah, that's... I guess they're going to be announcing them all October long because you look at it, it's seven days into October and they have announced seven films already. That's awesome. They did say they're not announcing one per day. But they did say that they, uh, you know, plan on announcing more all month long. So, yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully and, a clown house. 
<laughs> yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> I know. It was worth a try. But uh, the William Marshall as Blackula also played King of Cartoons in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, now who's bringing up Pee Wee's fucking bitch? <laughs> I did that for you, man. King of Cartoons is amazing. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, the the seventh film they announced is From a Whisper to a Scream, also known as The Offspring from 1987. It's an anthology. Yep. With mm-hmm. Vincent Price. Yeah, I was I was happy about that announcement. It is another upgrade for me, but I like that movie. So yeah, there was a the lot of um, there was a lot of cast that was in like other horror movies that, that they listed for that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then they gave a little update on the uh, Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror. Um, They originally thought that they wasn't going to be able to do Vault of Horror uncut like they originally planned to. Uh, They thought they was going to have to splice in DVD footage, but apparently they found a master. So it will uh, be uncut. Yeah. So the the first disc will include... The uncut version of the film and uh, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror. And then the second disc will include Vault's theatrical cut uh, from the Fox uh, Master and a rare open mat version of the BFI Master. Hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. That's... Well, at, least it's back, at least it's back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope they can eventually get Hellhole back on. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that's that's it for the news. That was way longer than I expected. That was lots. Jeremy, do you got an announcement about Fright Rags? Oh, yes. So, as you guys know, I love my horror t-shirts. I always wear them. Pretty much wear one every single day. People always look at me because I'm wearing horror shirts every single day of the week. But I have a large collection. I try to switch it up. So, Fright Rags, of course, is my site of choice whenever i'm looking to pick up some cool shirts they always have the coolest stuff and they always release a whole bunch of stuff every month so this month's release corresponds with the scream factory release of nightbreed of course which is you know one of the most anticipated you know releases of probably the 2010 so far i would assume to say so they are releasing four t-shirts um uh one of them is limited to 500 one of them is limited to 300 and the other two are um they're not limited they're just regular uh fright rag shirts so you'll be able to get them until they sell out and then they will move to what they call the graveyard and then if you want them to return you have to vote and then at the end of the month they pick eight designs and they bring them back to life. I like that concept, stuff. by the way. Yeah, I've always I like that concept they do too. that. That's cool. Yeah. So every month you could go on there and find eight new shirts too. Now, if they bring them back and then they're gone again, do they just eliminate them completely? No, it goes back until someone votes for it again. Mm. So it could be brought back numerous times. But um, they're pretty expensive, 27 bucks each, as always, for licensed T-shirts. Licensed T-shirts <clears> – <throat> of limited editions usually sell for $3 more than the typical $24 shirts, but they're worth it. They're quality and they have some pretty awesome designs. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want some awesome horror t-shirts, head over to Fright Rags because they're amazing. 
and this is getting released on Friday, October 10th at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which is, of course, 10 o'clock Central Chicago Time and 8 a.m. Stupid Moods' time, which is Pacific <laughs> Standard. Yeah. Um, on that note of uh, T-shirts and stuff, somebody actually asked me the other day on Facebook, which I, I did not answer back. I just completely forgot. Sorry about that. Um where I get most of my shirts too, um, I generally don't get them from Fright Rags like Jeremy does. I go the cheaper route and I get them from RottenCotton.com. So if that answers your question, um, I do get some from Twisted Tees. It's a place in Canada too. Um, I'm sure people have seen my Video Dead hoodie that I wear sometimes. I got that from Twisted Tees, but See, just a little bit cheaper out. I have a little bit of a problem with Rotten Cotton because they really don't release original designs. They usually just release like posters and they switch them up. I mean, they have a few licensed shirts like gutter balls and hanger shirts which gutter balls is one of my favorite shirts that i have in my collection but that's why i really mm-hmm. don't order from rod and con too much because they really never have that many like original artwork designs like fright rags i have an issue with the lack of color yeah yeah um yeah see personally i i like the simple like really simple like you know original poster art shirts and stuff like that i generally for the most part do buy all the ones that do have color there is some from ron con that don't have color but oh I don't the think vincent I really... price shirt that came out three oh, months yeah. ago is fucking awesome too from ron con there, there's actually a couple new ones too from ron cotton uh vincent price shirts i think yeah. that are original so i mean they are starting to put out a little more but uh yeah for the most part i like i i just love my original cover arts and stuff and like, uh yeah website, i do too i just don't like when they're black and white a website that i'm starting to look at more is a, a website called cavity tees and uh they have some pretty sweet shirts they just released a uh halloween three shirt and they have a awesome scanners head explosion shirt as well so cavity awesome. has some pretty awesome shirts as well cool yeah awesome stuff Alrighty, so getting into this week's uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases, um, you know, it appears that there's lots that that's coming out this Tuesday, but um, a lot of it is fucking re-releases and stuff, which and some of them are quite bizarre, I have to say. Um, but first up for the the notable releases, we've got a double pack here, uh, double horror feature feature featuring. Zombie Apocalypse and Z War. (laughs) Of course, this fucking movie's called Z War. It just cracks me up. But it's got Fred Williamson in it, so that's pretty fucking awesome. So if you're interested in those double packs, check out that. We've got the Netflix original uh, DVD and Blu-ray release of Hemlock Grove Season 1, released by Scream Factory. Um, I have to say it is a little pricey. But, you know, what's the word on the street on this, guys? Uh, it's Netflix show, isn't it, JP? Yeah, yeah, and I think the official like consensus about the show is that it is pretty damn average. I don't watch yeah. TV. So. I I actually haven't even heard anything about it, so which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> I know but. it made a lot of waves when it first uh, the first season aired, but since has slowed down, and I believe they even said that the third season is going to be the uh, final season it just seems like a show that just isn't that original and uh i guess it's like a okay first horror show for netflix but maybe maybe netflix can do the anthology that's what i said that that would be cool yeah 
Okay, so Hemlock Grove on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, then next up, we got another. We've got another. Um, I guess. <laughs> sorry, uh, six started playing on me again. Um, so we've got another film called The Legend of Lizzie Borden coming out. Um, now, how many Lizzie Borden films? editions or you know how many films is there with that title uh there's there's definitely a few i mean it lizzie borden was a real person correct this is like yeah like some yeah. crazy woman who like killed like men or something i i don't know uh i've seen in the last like three four years it seems like there's been a film every year about lizzie borden like yeah, there, there was, was that one, one and i've seen Richie none too. of them yeah, yeah. It just seems like they just keep rehashing the story and keep putting these out. It's just it, it seems like every time I turn around, there's a Lizzie Borden film. It's fucked up. Um, but mm-hmm. anyways, if anyone's interested in that, brand new one, The Legend of Lizzie Borden. And then next up, we've got uh, the DVD and Blu-ray release of Bates Motel Season 2. Um, been hearing really good things. So, yeah. Yeah. I got to dig into Season 1 here sometime, but... Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll get Bates Motel I'm Season curious. 2 when it drops down to, like, 7 bucks. <laughs> I'm curious to hear your opinions on Bates Motel, but for some reason, I don't think you're going to like it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really, I'm really, i really hoping I do because I'm such a big fan of the films. It's I think it's franchises. probably the best way to continue the, the franchise. Uh, other, you know, I think it's better than remaking or... You know, you can't mm-hmm. do another sequel without Anthony Perkins, so... Well, we well, we know what happens when you remake, you know, shit like... Fucking... Yeah, they just fucking do a shot-by-shot remake. <laughs> it just doesn't work good. Casting and, in that. a literal sense, it's literally a shot-by-shot remake. It's like one guy tried it, and, like, everybody else who might have thought, like, yeah, I'm, you know, it probably had some ideas to do. There was probably other filmmakers that, like, thought of doing shot-for-shot remakes. And then once, like, this guy did it, they're like, well, that was a fucking dumb idea. I'm glad I didn't go through with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, and then we got a another horror-related TV show called In the Flesh. Uh, apparently this is season two that's coming out. I know absolutely nothing about this Never even at heard all. of it. I know this one kind of slipped through the cracks on me too. So anyways, if anyone's a fan out there, season two is coming out this Tuesday. Uh, next up, we got a film called the devil incarnate. Um, it's got a baby with a couple horns sticking out of the head. So, uh, yeah, some type of devil offspring film, I guess I'm assuming. Uh, then we got another TV show this week is just filled with TV show releases. Yeah, I noticed um, that. We have the following with Kevin Bacon and that is season two. Um, I've just heard of the title. I think JP, you said the first season was good. Well, I watched about half of the first season. I thought it was a pretty strong idea, except for, especially for mainstream television. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of violent and, you know, really well acted. Uh, but it got convoluted and confusing, especially if you would take breaks. Cause I, I remember watching like a couple episodes and then, you know, taking a, a little bit of a break and coming back and not really knowing what was going on. So it does seem like a show that you would need to binge watch. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I feel like if you did binge watch it, it would just get like you would get burnt out on it because it, it you have to think a lot. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting that Kevin Bacon's actually on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, he's good there's at it. Actually, too. There's actually quite a few, you know, really big name actors that are in TV series right now. Well, it's TV ain't what it used to be. No. All right. Speaking of TV, we got American Horror Story Coven. 
I uh, believe this is the third season of American Horror Story. I still need to dig into season one. Um, I think all of us do, actually. Yeah, which, from what I understand, the third season's the best. I've heard the exact same thing, so that's inviting. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good, too, for season three, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we've got a release by Scorpion Releasings, and that is Lou Diamond Phillips' film called The First Power. Uh, this is a really interesting film. I don't quite remember the whole thing, but I remember Lou Diamond Phillips playing a detective when he's chasing a some dude with like crazy supernatural powers and stuff. It's a pretty interesting film. I haven't seen it in years, but Scorpion's putting that out, so you know it's going to be a good release. Oh, yeah. And then we've got... Uh, a Hellraiser collection multi-feature four-pack um, on Blu-ray uh, with Hellraiser Bloodline, which is four. Inferno, which is five. 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 Uh, what are the other two? Just and then not I have think an individual release. Hellseeker yeah. and Hellworld, which is seven and eight. Seven and eight. Seven and eight. So yeah, part six is not in here, which is Deader. Which is not a print. Or in Jim's um, words, Dreader. Fuck you, JP. <laughs> Dreader. Just have to so, bring it up after I fucked it up yesterday. Thanks. <laughs> that so if anyone's will be interested, at the end of the show. <laughs> so if anyone's interested in the Hellraiser multi-feature, I think it's going for really, really cheap. Actually, of course, it's going for eleven bucks on Amazon. So these uh, are the Echo for, Bridge for, things yeah. repackaged as Lionsgate things. It's these some... these definitely are Lionsgate releases. Yeah. Um, then we've got uh, Sharknado being Sharknado Two being released on DVD and Blu-ray. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking this out. I thought the first one was hilarious, cheese, shitty ass fucking film, but it was funnier than hell. Um, so I'm going to be checking out Sharknado Two. You know me with my shitty shark films. Uh, next up, we've got another Blu-ray 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 release of From Dust Till Dawn, the film. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm just assuming that this is yeah. No, I, I have like Echo Bridge one. Yeah, Echo Bridge. Yeah, I've got. I actually have a steel book of this film, which is weird, oddly enough. But yeah, so it's just getting like a normal release, I guess. Uh, then we got a couple more uh, multi-feature Blu-ray releases here, repackaged Lionsgate bullshit. We've got Children of the Corn four pack with Children of the Corn three, four, six, five, and six. Yeah, but it, and, it's ordered weird. It's like three, three four, four, six, six five. and five, <laughs> which is so fucking stupid. Uh, then we got a Dracula two pack with Dracula two thousand and Dracula two. Um, I'm not really too sure why they didn't just make it a triple feature and put the third one on there too, because I know there was three of those, which is odd. That's a Blu-ray release uh, with a digital copy, and of course Lionsgate had to do this they had to release a triple feature halloween triple feature with h2o uh halloween 6 and halloween resurrection once again ordered weird yeah yeah totally and why why do, why would they even bother with this i mean all these films have been put out a million times the halloween box that just came out like why would they put this out uh i don't well <laughs> something obviously had to happen with echo bridge losing the rights and Lionsgate getting the rights i don't really so they're get just it, jumping though on. because the rights originally your dimension weinstein company stuff so why didn't they just release it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's, it's very odd um and then of course we've got these are just re-releases these are Lionsgate um stuff uh the halloween collection uh, three films set on dvd makes then we got, no sense no and then we got the six film hellraiser collection on dvd and the six film uh, children of the corn collection so if you already don't have these and you want these i don't know they're, why they're you reissued don't have them by lionsgate so 
very odd. Then we got a triple feature of the Crow one, two, and three uh, coming. Or this is rehashed too. This has been out before. And then we got another film called Inside, which you know, you know my opinions on films that just keep using the same names. It's very infuriating to me and confusing. So now when you go to look for Inside. This is going to come up a film with Luke Gross in it. <laughs> yeah, but I would I would put money on it that the inside from France isn't the first inside. Oh, it probably isn't. Oh no way! It probably isn't. But you know, it's whatever. obviously the best one. But you know, this movie comes out. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and speaking of like rehashing sets and fuck, man, this is just this just blows my mind. So the Alien quadrilogy is being put out again i'm not sure if this is like a tin blu-ray <sighs> set or whatever so that is being reissued and then aliens on blu-rays getting another release and then there's alien the 35th anniversary blu-ray um which yeah <laughs> so again there's wait i i can't even keep up i i don't I, know. I don't get it i don't know why that film is i mean is it the most like re besides like maybe like Evil Dead or something? I swear it, there's more editions of Alien than like anything. I know. I I mean I have no problem with. I mean Alien. I love Alien. It's my favorite in the franchise. And, and I got to say, man, the cover art on this 35th anniversary one is pretty damn cool. It's kind of expensive though. It's going for like 21, 21 bucks on Amazon. I'm assuming that it's. It looks like it's a big box. I don't know. It's only one disc, but that's weird. But. Yeah, a little expensive. And then last up for the releases that I... Well, second to last up on the releases I have here is uh, Necromantic being released by Cult Epics on DVD and Blu-ray this Tuesday. I believe this release is not getting a Canadian release until November something, which is very odd. And for the people out there that don't know, this originally was limited to 2,000 copies. That has changed. Yeah, like three times. Yeah, it's now limited to 10,000, so... For everybody out there that was freaking out that they weren't going to get a copy, you probably can get a copy now. It is a little pricey. Um, uh, what is it? Yeah, see, on Amazon, it's going for twenty nine ninety nine. dollars If you want, If you want to get a better price, go to Diabolic DVD. It is going for 23 and that's by far the cheapest price I've seen anywhere. So um, Diabolic has really good shipping to the U.S. It's really cheap for you guys, so hmm. check that out. And the last release that I have on my side here is the re- issued Godzilla vs. Biollante Blu-ray. Um, it was put out by Echo Bridge, I think, a couple years back. Went out of print real quick, went for stupid, stupid money, and now it's back out. So, And that's on DVD and Blu-ray. So be on the lookout for that, all you Godzilla fans. Dylan, I know you'll be checking that out, so definitely pick it up. Yeah. Alright, uh, the ones that I have, I have a film called Talk to the Dead. It looks Asian. <laughs> Uh, a film. You didn't, you didn't use your Asian night word like you did yesterday. My what? You used like an Asian night word, like you called it Asianish, oh, Japanese-ish or something like yeah. that. You said it yesterday and it made me laugh. And then there's a film called Sledge. Uh, I actually like the cover to that one. Uh, a film called Red House. A film called Creepy Crawling. Uh, Venom, which is one of those Echo Bridge ones. Uh, Wrong Turn 1 through 5 on Blu-ray. I don't know why they wouldn't just wait for the sixth one to come out. It's coming out this month, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is yeah. actually coming out this month. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually really excited for that film. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I really like part five. Predator 1, 2, and Predators in a three-pack. And then our ghostly for this week is Mind Games. <laughs> and every week, man, we got to have one. I'm surprised yeah, was, I didn't have it on my list. Wasn't there series. two, though? Wasn't there two yeah, ghostlies? Yeah, but I think we did talk about it last week. For some reason, it's on this list again this week. It's called The Last Light, an Irish Ghost Story. So we have yeah. technically two ghostlies this week. Mm. Um. <laughs> and then finally a film called Iguana by uh, Monte Hellman by Raro Video um, Blu-ray 27.98 on Amazon Jesus yeah those Raros go for crazy money crazy it was fucking nuts and I yeah, believe that is it for my releases is an Aliens getting re-released yeah we said that aliens. one Aliens and Alien are both getting new individuals and oh, well, you didn't, fucking box we didn't, sets. We didn't have a long conversation like we did yesterday. Sorry. Mm. All right. So, yeah. Is that all for the releases? That is okay. all. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to get into, uh, I don't know, JP, if you looked up any more information on this, but um, I did get a – somebody sent me what was – I was led to believe was like a basically a copy and paste of kind of announcement from screen factory about, um, the defective discs that are in the, in the uh, Halloween box set for the Halloween four film. Um, so basically the press release was saying that screen factory is not going to be fixing the problem and sending out replacement discs for the Halloween four fuck up. The so sync problem. Up, well, um, actually, before you get too much into it, I have not found any information on that, that specific thing. I did uh, contact Scream Factory, and I do have a statement. Mm-hmm. But Ooh, look at you, <laughs> yeah, right. getting out in the field and reporting. But I, I have not seen anything with an official, you know, what you're talking about about them not reissuing discs. Yeah, yeah. So that might have been. Uh, untrue or like, whatever but i did could... check my halloween four disc and it is fucked up wow man that's so fucked up so, so you opened it up and you checked it out yes i did and dylan's so disc so is fucked up too you said right moods yeah dylan's is fucked up and i know some other people that i know checked theirs and they were good and some were fucked up so it's it's literally hit and miss right now so what did scream factory say jp okay so they said because the film is anchor base film and not theirs. Uh, talks have been taking longer than expected. Uh, they've been speaking daily about it ever since the issue was reported. There are many parties involved, involved and politics uh, that they cannot share with the public. So I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they they also said they're not keeping people in the dark, but they're just trying to make sure all their ducks are in a row before they go out publicly. And then they said that they have some better news to report. Uh, they thank me for my patience. They have found a solution and will be making an, an announcement soon with a plan of action. Okay, well, that's, that's better than what yeah. I was originally led to believe. So, I mean, I was having a hard time believing that you know they were just going to be like oh fuck it man we're not going to fix the problem you know people went out and spent 100 bucks on this box set and they're like okay fuck you well good for you jp that you went out there and you reached out to screen what did you do did you email them uh secret 
It's a secret. He he. <laughs> just put it this way: he has really sore knees right now. You fucking uh, bitch! Uh, uh, it's a secret. <laughs> There's only three logical solutions: you message them on though. Facebook, you emailed them, or you call. You actually picked up a phone and you called them. Which I don't think you actually picked up the phone and called them because that statement sounded like you're reading it from somewhere. So, <laughs> uh, well, I do write down everything that I. Uh, I'm supposed to talk about where else we have a uh, problem like last week or the week before where all my news was fucked up. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so that's good, though. I mean, it's, well, it, that's yeah. encouraging. Thanks for keeping everybody in the Thanks light about... Thanks semi, for yeah. semi-clearing that up, so yeah. that's good. Yeah, I, did, I was pretty happy to see that they even you know, were willing to share information with me, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's why Scream Factory rocks. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, so I think we got um, we got a few questions this week. Um, JP, do you have the questions in front of you? Yeah. Okay. So whatever order they come in, just spit them off. Okay. Um, let's see here. They're around here somewhere. I actually don't have the questions. My bad. <laughs> Oh wait, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, do. I got the answers just, in front of me, but I have down the... below. Okay, so Matt asks us from all the movies you guys have seen that ended up in the air, uh, left room for a sequel, and that never happened. Uh, what movies would you want a sequel to either finish off a story or create a new franchise? Well. The very first film that came to my mind was My Bloody Valentine, the original. Uh-huh. I was just oh. always I was always surprised that a sequel is never made to that film, that no one attempted to make a sequel, considering the way it ends. Um, the other title that immediately came to my mind, and I know that there's semi reasons why this hasn't had a sequel, but it's quite obvious and. Um, it's Freddy vs. Jason. You, you know, know what's funny? As soon as you uh, mentioned My Bloody Valentine, I instantly thought of Freddy vs. Jason for some reason. Yeah, those are the two that always come to my mind right away. I'm just, I, I just cannot believe that My Bloody Valentine never had a sequel. But um, yeah, I had a shitty um, remake. <laughs> it it had a remake. I actually didn't mind the remake. It was okay. Um, yeah, but uh, we will never it, know because it's lost. But uh, the the other film that came to my mind, I don't think you guys have seen this one, but it's uh, Killer Party. I would have loved to see a sequel to this film. Is that that Warner Archives film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking it's fucking awesome film. But there, I don't know. I think there's lots of films out there that, especially from, especially from the eighties, there's actually quite a few films that just could have had sequels. And it's just surprising. That I don't know. The funny thing about that is, uh, at Have Price Books, they had a display of all these horror films, and that's where I found Fright Night Two. And Killer Party was actually next to Fright Night Part 2, and it was $10, and I put it back. Crazy. I so, should have picked yeah. it up probably, though. It's worth it, man. Yeah. It's a fucking great film. Yeah. Jeremy? I couldn't think of anything. We, no. All right. Um, I, I literally just thought of uh, three while Moods was going, because uh, I couldn't think of anything either. But uh, Freddy vs. Jason, The Strangers, and Jeepers Creepers 2. Jeepers Creepers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because it is left up in the air with the guy sitting there with the shotgun. Um, and so has yeah. the third one not been announced though? It's been filmed, it's been though. semi announced, and from it, there was reports that scenes have been shot, but I believe Justin Long and I don't think I talked about this on uh, the previous news weeks, but just recently he did uh, say that um, the the issue actually is he didn't say this, but um, that's kind of what I pieced together. He said that the issue is actually MGM, I believe that's the company who owns it, uh, mm-hmm. had some like bad financial issues. So they actually aren't even producing films right now. So that's been the hold up on Jeepers Creepers 3 and yeah, yeah, not right. Victor Salva. Yeah, you don't see many MGM films come out. That's right. I actually remember reading that too. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Shitty. Well, that's cool that he's coming back, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the next question um, is from Emperor Sea Dog, and he says, "In the spirit of Annabelle, Annabelle coming out this week, what are three killer doll films that you guys think are underrated?" Um, yeah, underrated killer doll films. This is an interesting question because there's there's a lot of killer doll films that we all know about and it's love. Not too many like unknown ones though. There's not really a whole lot of ones. The first one that came to my mind was the Devil Doll from um, 1964. Um, it's a pretty interesting film, actually. It's not bad. Uh, so I don't really, I don't really hear a lot of people talk about that one. Um, now this one, I think people do know about. I don't know if a lot of people have actually seen this movie. It just seems like people know about this, but it's kind of the semi remake of Black Devil Doll from Hell. Yeah. Uh, the 2000 version, 2007 version, Black Devil Doll. Um, you always hear people talking about, it, but it seems like no one's seen it. Um, so I think I think it's you know a little overlooked, but uh, it's a fun fucking movie. <laughs> it's so racist and just uh, it's, it's so ins- racist. It's funny as that's my favorite line when I talk about All in the Family. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Black Devil Doll. It's it's great though. I love the film. It's such a fucking blast. You can't take it serious. I know this one made a lot of waves i mean even jesse jackson even <laughs> quoted about the movie saying this is exactly what's wrong with films and stuff really? which which is just so perfect yeah because i met jesse jackson he has i've actually met him at a cubs game and his fucking ego is large is probably one of the largest egos i've ever like met in any yeah, I, of my life yeah i can i can see that man yeah but i don't know man if you, if you don't want to take your shit serious black devil doll is definitely worth the watch it's fucking hilarious but uh yeah and the other one I was thinking of uh, from 1988 is it's not technically a killer doll film. It has a doll in it. Um, it's more of like almost like a full size kind of man thing that talks and shit. It's it's a psychological thriller called Pin. Um, have you guys seen this movie? No, but no, I, I know a cool. bit. Yeah, it's it's a fucking really weird, huh. really weird, interesting watch. Um, yeah, and like I said, psychological, so it's it's pretty twisted. But uh, you know, I would put that in there. And you know, if I had to go out and name another one, I know people do know this film, but Magic um, yeah. from Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins, which is yeah. like a ventriloquist thing. So I mean, those are ones that that I had listed that you know aren't the more common ones, anyways. So I hope that un- I hope that answers your question, Corn Dog. So I got one. Which I'm doing on Scream Factory. I mean, fuck. Which I'm doing on Body Bags in three weeks. Uh, the Great Gabo from 1929, which is one of the earlier 
uh, it's mm. a ventriloquist, man, I can't talk, there you go. Uh, type of film also. Uh, it's interesting. It's public domain. You could see it anywhere, but it's pretty interesting. I'm going to talk about it more on, on Body Bags in a few weeks, but check it out. It's pretty good, actually. Have you guys actually seen the ventriloquist movie that was put out ex- by Extreme Dimension? Oh, is that the like guy? Dimension who, Extreme? That's, <laughs> that's, that's Mark Jones. Yeah, I actually have never seen that movie. Did I see Extreme, Extreme Dimension? Dimension? I kind of like that, though. That's all right. Wow, I'm ta- that, was I'm, complete, that was like a complete dyslexic moment. Right I'm there. talking backwards, too. So I, I, <laughs> I fucked up the Crypt Keeper earlier on, so... <laughs> That's right. awesome. JP, did you have anything? Uh, yeah. Um, Tales from the Hood is I guess, I guess it's kind of underseen, not really underrated, but the doll scene in there is I think you know awesome. That this the story. Forget what the story was called, but yeah, that one. Uh, yeah. Curse of Puppet Master I think is pretty underrated. Nobody really talks about that one in the franchise. I really mm-hmm. like that one for some reason. It pretty much because it's literally a clone of that film. The snake film. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that before. And uh, Trilogy of Terror 2. Nobody really talks about that one. Probably because it's out of, it's never been released. Yeah. Yeah. Those fucking uh, – there's so many TV films that need fucking like releases. Mm-hmm. You know, I was – you know, after Chris announced his, uh, his new theme week, you know, I started digging around and I was like, fuck, there's so many TV films that don't have DVD releases. It's kind of a shame. And, and that is one of them. The 70s and 80s and even, you know, part of the 90s just was like the golden age of TV films. Like a lot especially, of- the, especially the 70s, man. Yeah, there is yeah. so many good ones from the 70s. Like there is a fuckload. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But. Yep. And then the uh, next question is from Dylan, and he says, what are your top three favorite weapons used in slasher films? I guess I'll go first on this one. Uh, mine is pretty classic. Uh, number three, machete. I just love Jason's machete. Works great for him. Number two is Freddy's glove. I mean, shit, dude. <laughs> it's, it's really unique. And my number one is Freddy's dream power because he can do so much with it. That's a great weapon. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, um, I basically went with uh, the classic chainsaw. I think wielding a that chainsaw. That was my number four. Yeah, wielding a chainsaw. I think it's fucking badass. It's, it's something scary, shit, scary when you just first hear it start up. It's like literally shit in <laughs> pants. I know because it's a fucking loud ass weapon, man. Even like, like when you, you go through like a haunted house and someone has a chainsaw, and it's just, it's like, the carnage yeah. is just like. Yeah. It, it's but, just on another level, man. Yeah. Like you're not even you're not even trying to fuck around with that stalk and slash shit, man. You're like, here I come, motherfucker. You can hear me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that shit. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I wrote this down, but like I, I was again thinking of that fucking kill from <laughs> Intruder. But I think one of the most badass weapons ever used, like in the slasher film, is a bandsaw. <laughs> it's so fucking vicious, man. And of course, my number one is uh, Freddy's uh, glove. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's the ultimate weapon, dude. It's, it's like, so unique, too, man. It's fucking badass, man. It's my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, number three, I have the drill, which is the ultimate phallic symbol. Uh, we see it, of course, in Slumber Party Massacre. No, <laughs> I just fucking watch too many film analysis classes that I'm freaking just you know, and we see it in, of course, in Toolbox Murders. Um, number two, I have the lawn mower, 
which is awesome. Once again, bringing back Dead Alive, and we've seen an, a few. Who the other. hell uses a lawnmower in a slasher film? Oh, it has to be slasher film. I thought it was his top three favorite weapons in horror films. He did say that, slasher film, but that's fine. That's oh, fine. really? All right. Although there, ha- there's a lawnmower scene in Sleepaway Camp too. Oh yeah. Remember yeah. that? Sure that. There you go. And number one, um, f- I have Freddy's glove slash television. <laughs> Freddy's <is> awesome. television. Because <laughs> yeah, you fuck yeah. shit up and this is awesome. Way. Yeah, I mean, well, I I guess like Freddy's glove will go down as like one of the best weapons ever. And we see television okay. and culture guys fucking shit up too. So. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, was that all the questions, or was there another? No. Uh, we have top five uh, favorite douchebags in mm. horror films. Top five douchebags, scumbags, or douchebags in horror films. Uh, number five, I went with uh, Herbert West from Reanimator. You know, <laughs> but he, he, you know, he's almost likable in the film because he's such a dick. But uh, I don't know. There's something about him. He's a fucking dick in the film, though. He's just got this super high ego that's really annoying. But I love his character. But uh, number four, uh, this one came to me. I was like, I was like, thinking of people. And I'm like, oh, fuck. The movie was sitting right in front of me. I'm like, oh, there we go. Um, Walter Peck from Ghostbusters. <laughs> that guy is such a fucking dick in that. F- I just want to fucking Who's strangle Walter? that he's that fucking he's the guy that works for the city that's always trying to shut down the ghostbusters and he's oh, lying yeah. to like the mayor and shit like that about what they're doing and he, i just want to fucking strangle that ginger fuck <laughs> every time i watch that movie he pisses me off so bad um number three is uh harry cooper from uh night of the living dead um just such Ooh. a fucking dick he's such a fucking asshole uh, he's basically just looking out for himself he doesn't give a shit about his family um number two is oh man i seriously i don't even know how if this was me in that grocery store i would have killed this bitch way before she got fucking taken out and that's the uh, miss carmody miss carmody oh, Car- yeah. from the mist fuck is she ever one of the most unlikable characters ever in a movie in my opinion she is such a fucking bitch mm-hmm. and uh i mean seriously if i was in that store i would have fucking i would have strangled her and uh, number one is kind of cliche, but I think he's the ultimate asshole because he's such a fucking – he's an asshole because he's an asshole. And that's Captain Rhodes from uh, Day of the Dead. He's, he's like the ultimate prick. He's such a fucking dick. I don't even think he's that prickish, man. Are you fucking kidding me? He's such I like an him. asshole. He's such an asshole. Like when he's fucking telling uh, what's-her-face that he's going to shoot her and stuff. Like, dude. That's that's. Real I mean, thing. but he's kind of like right the whole time in a, in a way. No, he's not. Fuck, you can't justify that shit. He was just being, he was just abusing his power. That's all he's doing, like a fucking dick would. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Jeremy. Okay, so number five, I have Billy Nolan from Carrie, who is a total fucking bitch, and. Mm. He's such an asshole throughout the entire film. Thinks he's better than everyone, so. Um, number four, I have the main chick from Contracted, who is a fucking bitch. You know, she totally leads that guy on and fucking just, you know. She is a bitch. Her girlfriend is a bitch, too, in the film. So everybody in that movie are complete bitches. 
Um, number three, I have the jump rope girl from Excision, who is, <laughs> you know, I guess the main character in Excision 2 is a pretty big bitch, but um, I went with the jump rope girl. Number two, um, Henry from The Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm. Um, he's such an asshole. Such a fucking bitch. And number one, I had to do it. The entire cast from The Girl Next Door. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I actually didn't even, like, do a list because, like I I was telling you guys, just without the collection, it's so hard to, you know, reference and, and figure out which films have these type of characters in them. Uh, but I, just from you guys talking, I instantly started thinking of some. Uh, the uh, guy from uh, Friday 7, the uh, therapist guy, that dude was a douchebag. Yeah. Uh, the uh, guy from Freddy vs. Jason, Catherine Isabel's boyfriend, that dude's mm-hmm. a douche. Um, <laughs> Friday the 13th has a lot of those douches, I've noticed. Uh, yeah. Th- go ahead. No, yeah, there definitely is a few in that franchise. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank from Hellraiser. Oh yeah. Pretty big douche, huh? And for some reason, I was thinking this like only applied to guys, but you guys started naming like females and stuff, and and I think that if you would you know take all the like bitchiest bitches and the douchiest douchebags, there would be way more bitchiest bitches in horror. Like Judy oh, yeah. from Sleepaway Camp, Julia from Hellraiser. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mother from People Under the Stairs. Oh yeah, man. There's there's a lot of bitches. I forgot <laughs> about the chick from People Under the Stairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freddy's even kind of a douchebag, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's a, a pedophile. Uh, <laughs> let's right, not so go I down think- that road. There's so, so think, there's so many so. So yeah. I think the last question was uh, one that Jeremy asked, and that was the uh, top five soundtracks. Yep. Mm, yep. Top five soundtracks. So I actually it was funny because I forgot that that was the question. I, I compiled the top five scores list, ah, and then I was like, right. I was like, shit. But I actually did it differently. Like the scores was just like you know the actual scores, and then like actual full soundtracks, like you know song soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So my top five soundtracks was number five was uh fright night the fright night soundtrack um i love that cheesy cheesy 80s music it's fantastic uh number four is the return of living dead soundtrack really good um music throughout the film i love everything that plays in there especially uh fuck the the song escapes my mind right now the scene with leanna quigley dancing in the in the graveyard the name of the song that's playing there is fucking uh, fantastic. Make love till we die or something or tonight, like, tonight. Yeah, tonight. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who the fuck it was by. SSQ. Is that it? Okay, that's good. Um, number three is the Devil's Reject soundtrack. Everything yeah. about that soundtrack mm-hmm. is just awesome to listen to. It's just such great music on there. Uh, number two is the Demon soundtrack. Um, it's basically 80s hair metal. It's fucking fantastic. Great soundtrack. And my number one soundtrack of all time is Tales from the Hood. Uh, fucking love it, man. It's just it's great, great fucking hard hip-hop in there. So, My turn? Yes. Sure. Uh, I decided to go... The way I did mine is I thought what soundtracks actually uh, go and 
and help the film in its overall you know presentation like the, that fits really well with the film um so number five I, this was kind of a a weird one that i was having a trouble deciding but i decided to go with blair witch 2 uh just for whatever reason i think that the soundtrack really works for the film it's it's a lot of music that i would never really listen to outside of the yeah. film. uh it's like like metal i guess i don't know um you know do you have the Blair Witch 2 um, DVD slash soundtrack combo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's why yeah, it kind like of a... stuck out in my head, too, because it came with the, the soundtrack. It's a, it's such a random setup because it's like a flipper disc. Yeah. Yeah, it is I, so weird. So weird. I, I think that's the only time I've ever seen a release like that. Yeah, probably. Um, number four is Tells from the Hood. Uh, just, you know, fits the film so well. Uh, Wu Tang, Spice One, uh, the Spice One song in particular, the Born to Die song, I think just you know fits that that end scene so well. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three, Return of the Living Dead. I mean, dude, it, it works so well with the film. The Linnea Quigley scene is one of the <laughs> best scenes ever. Uh, yeah. Number two, Lost Boys. I think this one really fits the film. You know, the, the, like all the songs work perfect. Um, and then number one is Elm Street 4, just because it has a really close place in my, you know, personal attachment to it. Yeah. Or Elm Street 3. Both of them have good soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my top five. My turn? Yep. All right. Um, I think these are all scores, to be actually, to be completely honest. So no soundtracks. Number five, uh, Tenebrae. Uh, this is an awesome fucking score by Goblin. Um, it probably beats uh, Deep Red and Suspiria as being my favorite scores from Argento films. It's fucking awesome. Um, Deep Red is pretty awesome too, but um, Tenebrae is an amazing score. Listen to it. Um, number four, uh, The Burning. An awesome score by Alan Wakeman, who, of course, is the one of the probably the best pianist. Uh, and yes so which as you guys know is probably one of my favorite bands so it is an awesome score highly recommend that one um number three have to have halloween it's classic and it's awesome uh number two 1931's dracula it's an awesome score and number one which is probably shocker hellraiser which is an awesome fucking score Hellraiser's uh, score is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's so good. It's a good choice. Yeah, like I said, I had compiled like a score list too. I'll just <clears throat> quickly read it off. It's very similar. Um, I didn't have them in order. I just I just named them off, but I had Suspiria in there. Ten and Braid, Deep Red, uh, Zombie Soundtrack, and Dawn of the Dead. I do like both of the scores. Like the, the Argento cut actually has the music from Goblin in there and stuff, so... Um, but yeah, I like all those scores are fantastic. Cool. Cool. Alrighty. So yeah, we're going to move along to the, um, the room morgue corners report, weird stats and morbid facts. Uh, this one comes from the, uh, April, 2011 issue with uh, hobo with the shotgun on the cover. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually the very first one on the list here just made me laugh so i thought i'd do this one all right so 
A 69-year-old Russian woman accidentally set her home on fire, attempting to resurrect her sister, who died (laughs) died the the year previous. By jump-starting the woman's corpse with an electrical wire, she connected to its hand and neck. And you said the Evil Dead remake was stupid and nobody would do that. (laughs) Good fucking point. Yeah, who the fuck does this 69-year-old woman think she is? Fucking MacGyver? Come on. Man, that's that's, that's funny. a funny one. I just love the fact that her sister had died a year before and decided to resurrect her now. And she set her fucking house on fire. How dry was that body? Basically, it was just kindling, wasn't it? I wonder if there was a uh, old guy across the street who was telling her, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so... Uh, that's Alrighty, so yeah, that's going to... That is going to do it for Mood Swings. Um, we are moving on to what we watched this week. Uh, JP, you want to start? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched uh, Ghoulies from 1984. Now, I recently watched this when my house was on fire and I was in the uh, hotel. Um, so I just kind of threw it on in the background to refresh my memory because I got a review on it that I'm doing pretty soon. Uh, but it follows a young man and his girlfriend who move into a relative, I believe, who passed away. He inherits this old mansion uh, when he be- where he becomes possessed by a need to control ancient demons. Ghoulies. So this one, oh man, in my head when I was a kid, like I remembered ghoulies. It's awesome. But this film is not very awesome. It's, it's. I think it's one of those cases where I don't think they executed the idea properly. Like, and we see that later on in the sequel. Uh, the they just really kind of shied away from the type of film that it should have been. Uh, I found that the the whole ghoulies thing wasn't. There wasn't enough of them. They didn't look the greatest either. I mean, they were all right. Uh, there's something drawing this guy to this like ancient witchcraft stuff down in the basement, um, but that's not executed properly either. They're, they don't like. Obviously, he he's like doing all these spells and shit, and it's because something in the house or whatever is is pulling him towards it because he's a regular normal guy beforehand with his girlfriend and stuff. Uh, so some kind of evil is taking control of him, but it's just not executed good at all. It just looks like he just starts doing all this shit. <laughs> I, think, I think I pretty much said the exact same thing when I reviewed this on uh, uh, Body Bags. Yeah. It's, it's very slow, and the, the execution of the film is very poor. It's very poor. Yeah, and... They uh, there's one scene where he's down in a basement with his like cloak on and shit, and his girlfriend walks down. It's actually pretty funny. She's just like, "What the hell are you doing?" Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, this one you just want it to go in a different direction. It's really about like the two, like the guy, like r- resurrecting ancient fucking spells and shit. Uh, it's kind of yeah. a weird one. It's. It's not very good. Um, I give it a five and a half out of ten. I think that is roughly what I gave it too, actually. Yeah. About the exact same. I think it was just a kind of above average. It was worth the watch, you know, kind of thing. But it's just, it could have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. And we know it could have because 
um, they improved on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I prefer Ghoulies too. Too, I believe the reason why I did Ghoulies on body bags because I was, you know, I had the part two in my eighty-eight series, and it actually did come up in the randomizer, so I was excited about that. But yeah, I like the setting of Ghoulies too, way better. It's way better. So next, Jeremy. Me. All right. The first film I watched this week was yet again a film about people who are willing to do things for money, you know, stupid shit for money, and that is uh, 13 Sins, which is released by Anchor Bay. Um, now, this film is, is a lot interesting than Cheap Thrills because it shares some elements of 13 Games of Death, which I talked about um, when I reviewed Cheap Thrills. Um, I don't know if this movie is a direct... direct uh, remake of 13 games of death or is it influenced or whatever but some kills in the film are the same in both versions so it makes me wonder if it's a direct remake or has some kind of similar things it's a good possibility because 13 games of death is um you know it's a foreign film yeah but basically the film follows a character who is once again a little bit of a pussy just like in Cheap Thrills and 13 Games of Death. And um, he gets a call on a cell phone one day, and um, it's a guy on the other end, and he's offering him a chance to play this game. Of course, this guy's down on his luck. I forgot Does to he say sound that. like Jigsaw? No, he sounds like a <laughs> white, rich guy. But um, he says, <clears throat> if you want to participate... You have to complete these 13 tasks, and you'll get more money uh, after each task, and the tasks get worse and worse as time goes on. So task starts like eating a fly or swatting a fly for $1,000, and then you eat the fly, you'll get $5,000, and then it just gets worse and worse up to the point where he – I'm not going to ruin it, but um, the ending is predictable – um, I saw it coming from the beginning of the film. Um, you know, not because I saw 13 Games of Death, because uh, the ending has nothing to do with 13 Games of Death, but um, it's really, really predictable. Um, it's not terrible, I have to say. Um, I kind of like the main character a little bit. Um, I thought as the film went on, he gained, uh, you know, some balls like in Cheap Thrills and 13 Games of Death, but. It's definitely not as nasty as 13 Games of Death because there's one th- one part in that film that just makes me gag every time I watch it. Have you seen it, Moods? Uh, what? Thir- 13 Games of Death? Yeah. Do you know the shit part? Yeah. Yeah, that part makes me gag every time, but this film, of course, is too Americanized to have that, but has Ron Perlman in it. He does all right. Like I said, predictable. Um it's okay. It's average five out of ten for me. Um, mm. It's definitely the worst out of the three of these, you know, people doing money for shit type of films. So if you find people it for a buck, money for shit. Everybody's yeah. talking backwards tonight. <laughs> yeah, if you find it for like a buck, like I did, pick it up. But other than that, it's not recommended. Well, too much. I believe I spent ten of those bucks on oh, it. Yeah, not Blu-ray. worth that. Not worth that. Hmm. Well, very interesting. Um, how was how was Ron Perlman in the film? 
He sucked. <laughs> the guy he cannot yep. act worth a shit. I mean, I haven't seen Sands of Anarchy, so I would assume you'd be able to act oh, in he's, that. He's real good in that show. But he just plays a generic fucking cop. It's mm-hmm. He's not good. I saw what was going to come at the end, like I said, uh, 120 minutes before it happened. It's not 120 minutes. It was like 95 minutes, but I saw yeah. it coming all the way from the first time that I saw Ron Perlman on the screen. So mm. It's predictable, but it, it's all right. It's just average. Hmm. All right, so um, I should have watched Wrath of Crows instead. <laughs> so the first film that I that I'm going to talk about tonight is uh, from 2000. I think it came out in 2013, but it came out on media in 2014. So I'm considering this a 2014 film, and that is Wrath of the Crows. Um, yeah, basically, I'm you know I'm actually going to read the back on this one because. Is it, it actually a killer has a crow film? No, it has it nothing is, to do with killer oh. crows. <laughs> it is not a killer crow film. And that and this is the reason, because it's actually worded pretty interesting on here. Uh, in a dirty, squalid, narrow jail, prisoners are forced to suffer injustices both from their guards and the ruling officer. Feared by all, however, is a, is a man nobody there has ever seen, the judge. When new prisoner princess arrives, seemingly out of nowhere and dressed only in a crow's in a crow's feathers coat, her radiate, radiating and sensual appearance begins to cause not only curiosity but also envy, suspicion, and deep sexual ag- uh, aggression. Soon, princess reveals her dark and supernatural nature, moving objects through the power of her mind and displaying feats of otherworldly strength. Um, so basically what it is, it's set in a jail, um, and it's, it's like this really fucking awesome setting too. Like all these jail cells are just gross and it's just kind of like, it's like a jail that would be like in some unearthed bizarre realm. It's really, it's, it's an interesting setting. It's really cool how they did it. So, but so all these Kate or all these jail cells are kind of like in the middle of this room type deal. And uh, so everyone's kind of facing each other. And, and obviously all these people that are in there have done bad things and whatnot. And Tiffany Shepis's character is the princess. She all of a sudden shows up in this jail cell. And basically the whole movie kind of develops through each of the inmates like stories and stuff. She kind of brings it out of them with her powers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really interesting film. It's really intriguing because you know, it, it never really has any boring moments because you're exploring all these different type characters, you know, kind of one by one and stuff. So it, it develops like that. Um, and that's really all I'm going to say about it. I don't really want to give anything away. It's got a really cool ending to it. It's a really interesting structured film. Um, Debbie Roshan is actually one of the uh, the inmates in this film. Um, Tiffany Shepis is just fucking beautiful and amazing in this. She does a great job as usual. And uh, but it's just awesome. Really, really fucking different and unique film um it was really gory it's got a lot of practical gore in it which is really nice see the thing about this film is i was not gonna pick it up based on the cover because i thought it was a killer crow film like the cover totally sells it as a killer crow film until i picked it up at family video and i read the back and i was like oh this has nothing to do with a killer crow i'm gonna buy this (laughs) yeah so it has like all these different type of elements to it and it's it's got a really cool story to it like the way it kind of all develops and the end is really interesting like i said tiffany shepis really sells it um of course you do get to see her boobs of course course. because that's fantastic she's beautiful but 
it's an interesting film and I want to give anything away, but, um, but it's gory. It's got some really fucking awesome gore scenes and everything about it just keeps you intrigued. But I really highly recommend this is one of the better films I've seen this year because it's just different. You don't see a lot of movies like this. Uh, if I had to rate this film, I'm going to give it a eight and a half out of 10. Just absolutely love this film. It was just a big surprise. Really, really big surprise. So everybody out there, check this one out. You said that one came Maybe. out in 2014? Uh, it came out in 2013. It got released on media in 2014. Oh, it's interesting. I, I've never really heard I don't think I've heard anything about it, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was released by MTI Video, and it it says 2014. It, it, actually, this just came out, I believe, a couple months back on media. So, cool. But yeah, check out Wrath of the Crows. Fantastic film. Um, yeah, can't go wrong. Awesome, awesome. So my pick of the week this week is Ghoulies 2 from 1988. Uh, this film is actually really good. Like, I wasn't expecting it coming off of the first Ghoulies. I was expecting a bit more cheesiness. Uh, but the film follows a traveling carnival that has some rides that are underperforming. A new manager or something comes in and threatens to shut down the rides that aren't up to par uh it follows a group uh a uncle and a step it some kind of family member or friends or something who uh run the ride the devil's den or devil's something uh satan's den something like that what is this fucking final destination three <laughs> yeah yeah uh and basically ghoulies invade their little ride and people go in and are actually seeing some hardcore shit in there there's some scary shit so uh you know people are just flocking to that ride but the ghoulies are killing them and that's pretty much your film i love this film because it feels like it has something that the first film doesn't have and and that's heart it feels like it has you know something behind it and it feels like everybody involved was making you know, having a great time making this film. It doesn't feel as ch- it doesn't feel as cheap as the first film. Uh, definitely higher quality. The setting is absolutely amazing. I love that uh, theme or you know carnival setting. It works so well. The ghoulies are cool. They all look good. Some some solid moments. And th- was this film rated PG thirteen or whatever? It wouldn't surprise me. It's PG thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty. Pretty good shit in there for PG-13, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's not bad, actually. <clears throat> yeah, eventually they do rampage through the fairgrounds and stuff. Uh, just love the setting, love the ghoulies. It's a fantastically fun film. Mm-hmm. You have anything to say about it? Um, like I said, man, the setting, it, it, it really does work for me in this one. It's uh, it's got It's got a, an abundance of cheesy-ass moments in it. Um, but the overall feel to this film is so much better than the original one. It has way better pacing for one thing. Yeah. It feels like Um, something's always happening. The little person, I like that guy. He's in a lot of other, uh, full moon movies and, and, and films. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked all the characters, you know, the characters were likable. Um, just, just top notch, uh, this was kind of at the height of, you know, like Charlie Band's uh, success in oh, Charlie these, these type of films and stuff. And and this probably might be his most successful um, in terms of like quality, maybe from that era. I'm not sure. He's done so many. 
Yeah, it's really hard to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, but overall, I really, really was super surprised about with Ghoulies 2. I actually think it's a, you know, it is my pick of the week, but I think it's a quality watch. It really is. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I, I didn't even find it to be overly cheesy either. Like, you know, you said there was a couple cheesy moments in it, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, with <laughs> the, the like, dudes like he, he's like carrying around the boombox. He's like my tunes, man. I don't go anywhere without them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, fucking the huge ghoulie. Yeah, man. That that shit was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking funny. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rating seven and a half out of ten. Probably seems a little bit high, but I I stand by it. I think this is a fantastic watch. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't seen the sequel. It's really fun, man. Yeah, maybe I'll have to yeah, check I mean, it out. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a fantastically made oh, I'm not or anything, that. but it's it's so fun, and the setting is just so thick. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Good. Oh me. All right. So my pick of the week, of course, is a Giallo, and it is. Dario Argento's second Giallo, and that is Deep Red, which is... I watched Deep Red and Tenebrae twice in the last two weeks because I'm writing a paper on it, but um, Deep Red, in my opinion, um, is more enjoyable than Tenebrae. I know Moods probably disagrees with me on that one, but um, Deep Red, uh, I don't like it as much as The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, but um, it's it's pretty solid. It follows a pianoist in in Rome, of course, where, you know, Argento loves to scene, to, you know, to have his films take place because he's Italian, but, uh, of course, takes place in, <laughs> takes place in Rome, and he witnesses, the main character witnesses a murder from a street below, just like, uh, the main character in The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and this guy tries to solve the murder, and as the film goes on, women start to get slashed and men also start to get slashed i mean the most brutal death in the film occurs from a guy getting his face slammed on the corner of a desk and it's just absolutely brutal and it's awesome it's probably my favorite death that i've seen so far in uh any of argento's films that i've watched so um even though the film follows the basic giallo you know um storyline i i still found it enjoyable there's still a lot of things that I probably have missed and I need to rewatch, but there's a lot of sexual tension in this in this main male character. Um, he obviously um, has a little bit of a disagreement with women, and you can obviously see this throughout the film. Um, he he obviously thinks he's superior to women. He's afraid that. Uh, these women are gonna strip away this sense of strength away from him. Which I think is why he becomes obviously so obsessive with this case and solving it. But I will post my paper up on the podcast page when I write it. But um, it's an interesting film. Um, if you guys like Argento and Giallos, this is right up, um, right up your alley. So I gave it an eight out eight out of ten. Sorry, that was a pretty shitty final review, but um, <laughs> eight out of ten. Yeah, I, I I mean I love Deep Red, but I think. Um... Tenebrae is actually my second favorite Argento film, surprisingly. But, but yeah, um, great film. All right, so I, I kind of did mine backwards this this week on purpose. Um, generally, 
you know, a film like Wrath of the Crows would be my pick of the week. I have never actually done a, you know, a shit pick of the week. An avoid of the week. You've been doing an avoid of the week, huh? Yeah, I actually haven't done one of these. So I, I was thinking, you know, fuck it. I might as well do it this week because, <clears throat> I mean, you guys must have thought why I did Wrath of the Crows first if I was giving it that kind of a rating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my shit pick of the week here is uh, the newly released, on my birthday actually, October 3rd, and that is the, uh, I guess, prequel to The Conjuring, um, Annabelle. Oh. oh. So, yes, Annabelle, it, which is telling the story of the, well, the Annabelle doll. Um, so everybody there's knows. No, there's no Chucky though? <laughs> no. So everybody basically knows what the story is. It's uh, Is it a prequel or a spinoff? What would you consider it? I heard it's um, a prequel. Well, the way the way the movie ends, it's definitely a prequel. Okay. This is because it tells the story and then it shows. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's it follows your two main characters of uh, Mia and John. Um, they're pregnant. Oh, um, don't ever say that. She's pregnant. <laughs> um. Anyways, and of course, of course, Mia is like this really. <laughs> she collects porcelain dolls and like creepy fucking dolls and shit like that. So one day, John. Um, goes out and buys this, you know, the doll, which is Annabelle, to complete her collection. She's been missing this piece from her collection and whatnot. And, uh, you know, they're your everyday people. They're churchgoers. He's uh, to be doctor. He's in med school and stuff like that. They live kind of like that all-American perfect life. Anyways, uh, one specific night, um, they're sleeping, and their neighbors, which they are kind of close with, they go to church with and whatnot and stuff, they end up getting brutally murdered by... uh, their daughter actually their daughter i guess had run away and she joined this like satanic cult and stuff like that anyway shows up in the middle of the night and murders her parents along with her boyfriend or she's with her boyfriend anyways they break into their house me and john's house and attack them also and uh the boyfriend get gets shot by the police and um the girl uh ends up actually killing herself and of course she's holding this uh the annabelle doll and the blood from her drips into this Annabelle doll and basically possesses this doll. That is so, so fucked. That makes no fucking sense. So that's – but the thing is, see that now what they're getting at with this. Oh, and then no. basically from there on, you know, it's your typical type posi- – like, I mean, but that's, me, that's me and John movies, right? Like, yeah, but how the and, fuck does blood from a satanic cult – follower makes a doll well, uh i mean but the, how does that happen story, in in any horror film you, hellraiser you know it's the story just, with the story with the daughter and the boyfriend and stuff they were part of the satanic cult that like conjured up demons and stuff and they were doing these sacrifices so i get that's where they're trying to justify how her you know i'm guessing that's her, not your main problem with the film though <laughs> not really oh i'm I sorry mean, i'm just bringing up a nitpick it, that I, it is pretty it is pretty cliche though i mean it's it's so bad it, just the way she's holding it drips in the eye and it's just it's just wow um but uh <laughs> yeah so basically from there on you know of course me and john they start experiencing like crazy shit the dolls fucking with them and stuff like that uh they end up having the baby and and stuff like that and just kind of goes from there there's more hauntings and more weird fucked up shit happens you know in your typical type possession ghost type story film. Um, now my main problem with the movie is, is very simple. It's so fucking cliched and played straight arrowed. Like there's no, there's nothing in this movie that is different. It just doesn't deviate from, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's very, 
the structure is so straightforward and it's fucking predictable too. That's what I heard. It's like predictable. As hell. It's really predictable. So yeah. Mia eventually meets this character um, played by Alfie Woodred or something like that. Um, she's she's the owner of this bookstore, and of course Mia, she's really starting to investigate like a, a via like occult stuff, and and she's really looking into all this type of shit and stuff like that. Anyway, she's at this girl's bookstore one day and she meets her and then she becomes like good friends with her and stuff like that and like the dialogue just gives away in the film what is going to happen in the end like it's just so fucking poorly written i'm like are you like i I literally looked over at my wife during the film and i went are you fucking kidding me and she's like what you know all naive and shit i'm like are you fucking serious i'm like i know it's exactly gonna happen and she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, this conversation. Wait, right Aaron liked this movie? It's fucking horrible foreshadowing. Like everything that they're talking about and shit and the way it develops is so straightforward and easy to predict. I mean, I understand that we do watch a shit ton of movies and we can figure out things maybe a little e- easier than the average person. But this is ridiculously easy to figure it's out. Like it's like script just so, writing 101. Like, yeah, yeah. Shit is it's just insane. really it's too basic. They didn't throw anything into it that would, you know, deviate from that, you know, that very simple fucking Hollywood structure. You know, overall, the movie, it's not a poorly like shot film. I think there was a lot of good like, you know, shots like, you know, from transitional scenes and stuff. I, I kind of like. But the problem is, even with that, though, they hinted too much. Um, with basically, you know, they would do a transition scene and they would show like their new apartment building after they moved and stuff like that. And they would always do this, this camera shot from the ground looking straight up at the building. And they were basically foreshadowing just with camera, camera shots and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, they did this about five or six times in the film and I'm like, I kind of figured it out. And I was like, and then fuck. And then it had the end the film happens. And I was like, oh my God, I am so fucking tired of figuring out shit. Like, this is so bad. And Aaron was like, I really like that movie. Oh, really? She liked it? She did. She thought it was decent. And I was like, man, I was like, my God. She's like, well, she goes, it wasn't scary or anything. And I was like, well, no, it wasn't scary at all. Um, I will say there was a couple pretty decent parts with this one scene where Mia's um, trapped in the basement and she's running up the stairs and there's this fucking demon thing chasing her and stuff. And um, it was actually that that whole scene was actually done pretty well. Um, so there's a couple pretty decent moments in the film, but overall it's very bland. There's this demon thing. So there's, it's not Annabelle. It's a demon. Well, that this, this is the whole thing with the movie. It's basically, I, I don't really want to give the, the all right. The I'm just trying to like, in the specifics it. about it exactly why annabelle is doing what she's doing and, and and things like that and just the whole thing with the cult and stuff like there is things going on there but it's it's pretty fucking straight arrowed and it's just uh, i don't know it does it just doesn't have a lot of substance to it it's very mm-hmm. it's played too straight and it's and just the end of the movie is absolutely terrifyingly fucking cliched and boring because they like i said they hint too much towards exactly what's going to happen with these characters and stuff and it just plays out exactly how you would think it was going to do you know who directed and, and you're film? left and you're left going you're left going well that was fucking shitty i think the the so dp of the conjuring directed it i don't know what his name see, is but the thing is like i like i said the cinematography isn't that bad it's just the screenplay mm-hmm. and the, it's just really kind of poor and yeah yeah, so. I, th- I think one of the issues comes from when you look at uh, like The Conjuring, for example, since they're related, it- it's a simple run of the mill ghost story. Right. But you have somebody yeah, like James Wan handling it, who takes the who takes the risks and does shit a little bit different and and to a higher capacity. 
and that's why that film was so successful and good. This, it seems like you have the basic script, but you don't have somebody to elevate the content. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. uh, I just, still stand by our argument from last week though. Well, the thing is, the thing is I'm not hating on the movie just because I, I really wanted to like the movie. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe if it was a really strong type prequel into the conjuring, I'm like, that's pretty cool. But which we both, it, admitted, it, it didn't play, it didn't it play out suck. like that for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, the so, point wasn't whether it was going to be good or not. It was how we was going about it. Exactly. Exactly. So like I said, I wanted to reserve judgment until, you know, I actually saw the film firsthand. Yeah. Now we and can just kind of judge it for myself. And that, and that's the thing. And, you know, I mean, I know there is some people that are really going to like in this film and I'm just, I don't understand why. Yeah, I've heard people like it today at school. I was like, I don't oh, understand yeah. why it's, it's not good. Yeah. Like it's, it's a really, it's a very below average um, story rating four and a half out of 10. Ooh, I specifically give it four and a half because like I said, some of the cinematography, there's a couple pretty decent uh, tense moments in it, but overall it's just, it's very, very flat and too predictable, man. Cle- I hate using the word cliched over and over again, but it is cliched in it, but it's, it's actually just, it's, there's nothing new there at all. But I will say the doll is creepy as fuck though. Yeah. <laughs> it is creepy because if you actually stare at this fucking thing, like I wouldn't want that doll in my house. It was creepy in the conjuring. Yeah, yeah. Like the doll is fucking creepy looking, man. Yeah. I will, I will, I will, you know, state that, but, uh, Oh, those dolls are I wonder when like replicas are going to like start showing up in like Spencer's and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> fuck. I haven't been in the Spencer's in forever. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's Annabelle, you know, if anybody out there listening is, uh, you know, actually seen the movie now, um, I would like to know your opinions on it. I mean, just uh, get, bring your honest opinion. I mean, if you like it, just say you like it. That's cool. That's totally cool. But I'm just curious because I have been hearing, like Jeremy has too, there's people that are digging this film. And I'm looking at the rating on uh, INDB right now, and it's got a 6.2. Hmm. It's pretty good. Which, which is interesting. And there's a lot it is early, but there is a lot of reviews. Hmm. So it's very interesting to me. And I made $38 million this weekend, which is fucking insane. That actually that sounds about right. No, I think that's about right, man. Uh, that's, that's insane for that type of a horror film. I no, think. I think that, I think that is a little high. I think Annabelle's yeah. a little overachieving right now. I think 38 million. Yeah. That's insane. Dude. All you have to do is slap on like the name conjuring. And that's like an instant 20 million right there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Horror films just don't make the money like they used to. I think that's why I'm so like shocked that it made that much money. They do mm-hmm. all right. Uh, so quick cuts. I guess I'll start. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Lift from 1983, Killer Elevator. Uh, this is a. I think it's a film. What from the Netherlands? I believe. Uh, so what? Like it's subtitled. What is Netherlands? Dutch. Is it Dutch? Doesn't matter. Anyway. Mm-hmm. This uh, film is a killer elevator film. Uh, I don't know, man. This one just wasn't really that good. I mean, what do you expect from a killer elevator film? I do. I will say that the lighting was really cool. There was a lot of like greens and 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 pinks and stuff that that uh, really kind of uh, helped the film out a bit. It's slow, long scenes of talking throughout the middle of the film. The beginning of the film starts off with a 
couple of party goers getting in an elevator, taking their clothes off and stuff, boobs, and like you're like, all right, yeah, you know, and then the elevators are like killing them and shit. So you're thinking it's gonna be pretty good once the technician comes into play and he's trying to solve the like corruption of like these uh, computer chip fucking makers. It kind of goes downhill. I give it about a five out of ten on that one. And then I watched uh, Blood Glacier from 2013, released in 2014 on uh, video. This follows a bunch of scientists in Austria uh, who discover a glacier that is leaking, like, red blood shit that, you know, is infecting the wildlife around the uh, area. And they're kind of mutating and becoming, uh, like, killer animals and stuff. This one was all right. I was kind of expecting a bit more from it. Uh, some really cool like gore and effects and stuff, but I found that the characters were kind of a little bit bad. Was you gonna say something? <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought the effects were awesome in it. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I just was, I was, I've heard some good things about it. I was expecting it to be a little bit better. IFC Midnight. Um, I was expecting like I've been getting a lot of hits with IFC Midnight lately. Uh, the Den, Almost Human, Proxy, Rays, all of those better than this. I give Gl- Blood Glacier a six out of ten. Uh, then I watched Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College from 1991. <laughs> this <laughs> film is so fucking cheesy, dude. This is like on another level of of cartoon. This is like gr- like Gremlins 2 is like kind of cartoony, right? This is like this is like Ghoulies' answer to Gremlins. Is this the one with Leonardo? Is that the fourth one? Uh, who's Leonardo? DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh no, that's Critters, bud. Oh, that's Critters. Critters 3, yeah. Oh, fuck my life. So this one actually has Matthew <laughs> Lillard in it. Lillard, or whatever his name is. But he I don't think he has any even, like, speaking lines. Um, but he's in there. He, and uh, this one opens with, like, Kane Hodder, like, falling onto, like, a bucket. And, like, a little cameo by him. And these ghoulies are just straight. They talk now. And they're just bumping heads, like, three stooges. It's It's pretty damn cheesy and bad but i still kind of liked it a little bit there it's like set in a college fraternity like prank war i give it about a five and a half out of ten man ghoulies three is so fucking funny man <laughs> that movie is so it, it is bad. it is funny man but it, i it's love a the weird that, one i love the fact that they have taught the, the, the ghoulies talk in it though I was actually surprised that their voices were actually like good. Like they fit each character. Like yeah, the, yeah. there's the bald headed gully. They're much taller in this one too. The bald headed gully and then like the rat one and the cat one. Um yeah. I mean I, I could possibly bump it up to a six just because it like Mood said, it is really funny. Um and yeah. the characters aren't like that bad either. Like uh there's like some boobs in it and stuff and uh yeah. That's it for my quick cuts. Go. All right. So I watched a few films this week. Um, first, I watched Peeping Tom from 1960, oh. which is an awesome film that competed with Psycho the same year it came out. Really, really awesome film. I highly recommend it if you guys like Psycho. It definitely takes a different play on Psycho, but it shares the same kind of thing with the male gaze and things like that. So You can recommend it all you want, but we can't get it. Why not? It's out of print, man. Yeah. Well, I, that's yeah. one that I really want. And it's want. a fucking Criterion uh, out of print. Yeah, it's right. a Criterion. <laughs> I want a Blu-ray release from Criterion or, or somebody because I've been wanting to see that film forever. Yeah, it's a really interesting film. Really ahead of its time. Um, 
I highly recommend it. I give that one an eight out of ten. Um, I watched Carrie in one of my classes. Um, Carrie is classic. I kind of have a different view on it now that I've watched it um, again. Um, I used to view it as Carrie as someone being uh, who fights back towards society that has you know treat you know treated her shitty. But now I kind of see Carrie as a monster instead of a hero. Um, you know, there's all these things throughout the film that that shows this, um, especially during the end. She's obviously the devil when she's coming out of the burning school, and it's totally obvious that that's what De Palma was trying, or and Stephen King and De Palma was trying to get across. I don't know if that's the way I don't it know goes if that's down. True. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always heard Stephen King talk about Carrie as the victim. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was De Palma's interpretation, but I don't know. Uh, I've always feel like you can you know put whatever filter you want on on it but i still think carrie is the victim uh-huh. well and like when she looks in the mirror she can't face herself and that's when the mirror breaks and shatters like she can't face the monster that she is so that's what causes the mirror to break and whenever she it's not until that she starts to put on makeup and things like that that she's able to face her inner demons and well she's mad because she looks like shit and that's <laughs> well fuck with her the makeup is just her mask yeah yeah yeah, but um, I love Carrie. Now that I've looked at it in this different way, I've kind of had a new appreciation of the film. Um, like I talked about in my top five biggest dickheads, uh, John Travolta is a giant dickhead. This isn't really a quick cut. Um, seven and a half out of ten. Oh, a little then, low on that one, bud. Yeah? Oh, I love Carrie, dude. It is a fantastic film, and uh, PJ Stoles is a hottie in it. Um, next... Of course, is Tenebrae, which I talked about. Hopefully, this review goes better than my pick of the week. Um, Tenebrae, once again, is like a your typical giallo. This one follows a writer who travels to Paris, and he, uh, the killer in the film, is copying. This writer uh, writes horror horror novels, giallo novels, and the killer is copying uh, the kills that this writer is writing in the book. And so it's this writer trying to solve the mystery of who is the murderer. Once again, playing with female and male gender roles and things like that. Um, like I said, awesome soundtrack. Um, it's probably the least of my f- least favorite uh, Arge- Argento films that I've watched so far. But it's still really fantastic. Um, typical Argento. Uh, seven and a half out of that one. And that shall be it with my quick cuts yeah 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 quick cuts um i actually don't even have that many this week to be honest uh first up is the boneyard yeah if you guys have ever seen the the dvd cover for this but it's got like a mutated pu- uh, pudel pudel uh poodle on the cover um it's got that really cheesy cover art but it's basically about uh, there's like this series of murders that are happening in the city and stuff like that and these uh detectives are stumped so they call up this uh this psychic um she's been she's like this retired psychic or whatever anyways they get led to this place called the boneyard it's like it's what they call this mortuary uh it's called the boneyard <laughs> and it's like so they, of course they go there like on the night shift and uh the fucking lady that runs this place her one-liners in the film are fucking so funny man it had me busting out like every five minutes but anyways one thing leads to another and the um, 
so it's, it's like a bunch of little kids and stuff that got killed. Anyways, they end up getting like resurrected in this boneyard and they turn into like these like ghouls, zombies and shit like that. And this fucking dog gets muted. It's just batshit crazy, ridiculous fun. It's stupid, but it's uh, it's it's a ton, a ton of fun. It's just a great this movie has like a real fucking kind of late 80s vibe to it. But it came out in like 1990 or something, 1991 or something like that. And uh, no, it's really fun. It's it's got some really interesting characters, and the the special effects are fucking fantastic in it too. They do such a good job with it. Um, I give it like a seven out of ten. It's definitely worth uh, the watch. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, next up, I watched uh, Dustin Mills' new film called Snuff It. Um, this one. This is a really interestingly odd film. Very unique, like all of Dustin Mills' films. This one's really yeah. fucking unique, man. Uh, it's basically about people, uh, like human beings and puppets that live side by side in this world, like in this society. Mm-hmm. And uh, so puppets are a thing, you know? Yeah. And basically, it's about this one guy. He starts up like... Um, He's got this group. It's like a puppet hating group. And what he does is he like one day he acts like he'll he'll post videos like kind of like on a YouTube thing and whatnot. And he has like a bunch of followers and he wears this mask and stuff. This one specific day he captures a puppet and basically die kills it and dissects it and stuff. And he makes this video and this one girl contacts him and she really wants to be part of, you know, what he's doing and stuff. She believes that puppets are, are they like mannequins. No, they're, no, they're fucking like crank, puppets. They're like cranking puppets, right? They're, they're puppets, man. Yeah. yeah, they're puppets. So, like, the, in, like in this world, like people have sex with puppets and stuff, and they're <laughs> totally against all that. And this is kind of why I started the group. And uh, so she teams up with this guy, and then they just start going around killing puppets and shit, and kind of doing what they need to do, right? Because they fucking hate puppets. It's a really, really odd and interesting story. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's something that you've never seen before. It's just so unique, and I had a lot of fun with this. The acting's great, of course. There's uh, Dustin Mills film, of course. There's you know there's a lot of boobs and muff, in the <laughs> film, of course, which is fantastic. But the acting is actually surprisingly really good in this one too. But just an overall really really entertaining and short watch. The movie's only about an hour long, so it goes by quick, which is unfortunate. I would like to see a little more, but you know for what it was, it was entertaining, and uh, I give it about an eight out of ten. Just just simply for the fact that it's such a unique idea. And he put a lot of effort into it. You can tell. Like, he, I mean, he's making very, very low-budget films, but it really works. It really works. So really highly recommend Snuff It. Interesting idea. Um, I also watched um, uh, Below Zero. Below Zero, I believe, is from 2000. Uh, do you guys know what year that's from? <laughs> Below Zero, it's got... Uh, Which cover? What's the cover? That sounds like such a goddamn generic yeah. fucking title. From 2011. Just found the title. from uh, Below Zero from 2011. It is starring Edward Furlong and Michael Berryman. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Is this the one that has Michael Berryman on the front cover? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Edward Furlong is your main character. He plays Jack and Frank. Basically what he is, Edward Furlong is a, is a screenwriter. And he's been sent off by his agent to like a different town. Basically because Jack's having serious writer's block and he needs to get away from the city because he needs to produce a screenplay because his agents fucking had it with him. And, you know, he basically what it comes down to is if he doesn't have the script done by the end of the week, he's getting dropped. So he takes it upon himself to, you know, head out to this place and gets picked up by this fucking 
this girl named Penny, played by Kristen Booth. Um, she plays like this hillbilly redneck type character. Anyways, he basically, you know, subjects himself to being locked inside this freezer with, so he has no distractions. She runs like the slaughterhouse or whatever and has got this freezer and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, he's in there writing the script. And the way the, mo- the way the movie plays out is that when he's writing the script, that that's what's playing in the film. Right. So it's about this character that, that is trapped in this, uh, you know, in this cooler and stuff like that. And, and but there's a serial killer there and the serial killer doesn't know he's there and blah 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 and that's the way the movie plays out as he's writing the story it's that's the film so he's playing multiple characters like Kristen Booth is too um and Michael Berryman is the serial killer um you know it's not a bad film until the end the end is so fucking bad yeah just like because they try to throw in this like little twist and stuff with (laughs) screenplays and like i'm not gonna give it away in case you want to watch it but it was just like what like that's it <laughs> that, that makes is, sense that no it made sense yeah. perfect sense but it was just so easy uh-huh it was just so easy i'm like oh come on man but it, overall it wasn't that bad i, I liked edward furlong in the film he p- kind of plays like this he's kind of awkward like this awkward screenwriter and stuff but i think he pulled it off pretty good i didn't really believe uh Kristen booth's portrayal of this like redneck fucking hillbilly woman i I just didn't buy it i think that she's just too pretty for that i guess i don't know but uh you know i'm gonna give it just a five out of ten you know it was just the ending was super disappointing very very disappointing so yeah it sucked uh next up i watched the uh, the 88 films Blu-ray release of the Toxic Avenger. Um, I'm not going to get into the story of the Toxic Avenger. Everybody knows about it, but um, I'm just going to talk about the Blu-ray in general. Um, the reason why I went with the 88 films release instead of the Troma release in Region One here, uh, I might add that the 88 films Blu-ray is all region, so anybody can pick it up. Um, I went with this version because it actually has the Japanese cut on it, also, which is like 10 minutes longer and stuff. So it's got a bunch of different special features the transfer is fantastic it's finally back in it's like original you know widescreen presentation i think the only other version you could get of that was on laserdisc so which is really cool uh but yeah laserdisc is hard as shit to find too yeah and it's so bizarre it's like the only release that was in widescreen before um but yeah it's a good release i really enjoyed it fantastic features and stuff so and then i also watched the uh the texas chainsaw massacre 40th anniversary um 4k restoration um wow the transfer is like ridiculous yeah it looks good it does man like you know the dark sky films blu-ray release that came out a couple years back yeah that transfer was really fucking good this one's like even better so the movie just keeps getting better looking the sexist chainsaw massacre everybody knows about it but i do highly recommend you know if if you want to see the film probably the best that's that's looking right now did uh, you rate are you rating these the uh, films, to, uh, Toxic Avenger and Texas Chainsaw. Well, I was just really talking about the releases themselves. Oh, so but I mean, I did watch the films. Toxic Avenger, I would give a seven and a half out of ten, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty much a ten out of ten. So I was gonna shoot you in the face if you didn't say that. <laughs> oh, I I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is such a fucking good movie. Um, but yeah, I, I I just wow, the transfer just fucking blew my socks off. Quite literally, I popped it in. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me, man? This how are they doing this?" I actually, wanted, so 
have to buy this now. It's it, there's tons of features on it too. It's just phenomenal, man. Oh, there's now you're there's actually that influence that JP spends more money. Yeah. <laughs> there actually is some new features on it, but it had it does have all the old um, commentaries and stuff. But there is some new features and stuff, which is really cool. But man, transfer, holy shit! I was avoiding like hearing anybody talk about it because I knew it would make me want to buy it, and. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just was, you know, I've just there's so much stuff to buy right now that I was just putting that one on the back burner. But like, oh man, man, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for what I watched this week. I watched, oops, yeah, some other. I I don't think I wrote it down. I think that's why. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think I forgot to write down because I did watch more movies than that. But that might have been the quickest moods quick cut yeah. segment ever. Even though they're yeah. like regular reviews. Yeah, they are. They are just the especially the earlier ones was a straight up what we watched type review. <laughs> I know I you're I very plot heavy. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Alrighty, so that's gonna do it for quick cuts. And now we are moving on to the main review, and this is the reason why everybody joined us here on episode twenty-seven, and that is to review the two thousand thirteen release, independent release of uh the battery. They can take our bones and bury them deep under the river but we'll still be together and we cannot be defeated they can take our trombones and pack them down there with us but no matter how long it takes us we will not be defeated when we dance we dance together under the moon and under the I want to sleep in a house, in a bed, like a real human. You need to wake up and realize this is how it is out here now. Nobody's going to flip the switch back on. This was put out by Scream Factory on DVD and Blu-ray. The DVD in Canada was released on Anchor Bay. (laughs) So weird. Don't fucking understand that one bit. But uh, yeah. And the Blu-ray was out by Scream Factory. So (laughs) JP or Jeremy, do you want to give the... I'll give the synopsis. Oh, it's pretty simple. Okay, good. All right. We just basically follow these two guys as they travel through the zombie apocalypse world. Uh, we learn that the two baseball players, and it's just their quest of friendship and trying to survive in this zombie-ridden world. Their personalities clash. Yeah, their personalities clash. Yeah, they're actually quite opposite. They're like two different people. Yeah, but they're trying to get along, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Was that a good synopsis, JP? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is really simple. Two former baseball players... 
uh, traverse the back. I mean, IMDb has a great synopsis. Traverse the royal back roads of a uh, post-plague New England uh, town, teeming with uh, against the undead. And this is um, it was released. It was uh, from 2012, but released in 2014 by Scream Factory. Uh, Jeremy, kick off your thoughts and opinions on the film. Um. It's definitely an interesting zombie film. It's one of the most interesting zombie films I've ever watched, to be completely honest. Um, it's it's I've never seen a character-driven zombie film like this one. You really feel for these guys and how much they they kind of hate each other, but they depend on each other to survive in this world that's you know pretty much there's only there's only five characters in this entire I don't exactly film. I don't exactly think that they hate each other. Uh-huh. I think it's just the simple fact that you know they do come from the same baseball team but they come mm-hmm. from opposite ends of yeah, the team. They didn't yeah. really know each other so uh-huh. you know like how Ben even says in the film he's like you know Mickey you're from you're from the bullpen. Yeah. I'm a catcher. You know we're on opposite ends uh-huh. you know kind of thing so. But I love how like they still share their common love of baseball because we see throughout the film that you know they still like play catch and things like that. And which is one of the coolest things about the movie, they really yeah. capture that so fucking well in that film, man. Like the scene in the uh, apple orchard, man, is mm-hmm. just so brilliant, and it adds so much flavor. Yeah, there's <laughs> like a camaraderie. It is. It's such a good uh, part in the film. I, I just really thought that was such a nice touch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I said, this is really. A, such a character-driven film. There's only five characters in the entire film, and two of those don't even really matter that much. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just loved watching these two guys interact and survive. And it's basically just us just watching them do their daily thing, and you know them sleeping and eating and playing catch and things like that. I just I found it really intriguing and interesting that a film didn't have to focus on zombies eating and killing people. Well, there wasn't really that many zombies even until the end of the film. That That's essentially what I think is the coolest thing about the battery is that this movie – you know, almost isn't even a zombie film. Yeah. It's almost like a coming of age between these two, like mid twenties characters, you know, uh-huh. they're growing, you know, with each other, you know, at first they're very kind of not distant, but they're just kind of, you know, they're not best friends. And, you know, and by the end of the film, they're quite obviously, you know, I mean, almost forced to be mm-hmm. almost best friends a little yeah. bit, but they've, yeah. they've, they've come to respect and, you know, kind of accept what they have and stuff like that. So, I love the I, use of the CD player as uh, drowning out the world that's around this character, like music being such an yeah. important aspect to the to the scene. And I love how whenever he puts on his earphones, the audience also hears what he's saying and the rest of the world around him drowns out, which mm-hmm. I found really, really interesting. I really enjoyed that aspect that when he was listening to his music, we also didn't hear anything that was going on around him. So we kind of felt like at any moment, you know, shit could go wrong for us as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, that that brings up a good point, too, with the Discman. I love the fact that they show him, like, completely changing batteries and stuff. Like, yeah. if they take the time to show well, that, that first like, scene, the first yeah. scene in the film is, is a long take of him uh, changing the batteries yeah. in the thing. But they really capture a lot of that in the film so well. There's scenes especially the scene where Mickey comes out with the toothbrushes and hands one to Ben, mm-hmm. they literally show them brushing, brushing their, teeth. their teeth for yeah. like a minute and a half. And I really, really enjoyed that. Like it, it really fucking oh, shows 
Like they're it's full survival. Yeah, I have that written down. I actually wanted to talk so, about that scene. I I thought it was awesome. I thought it was brilliant actually. Like Yeah. It's a it's, great fucking I, scene. And they do, they do it over and over in the, in the film though. They show them yeah. eating. Yeah. They show them fully eating things and like it's it's about it's not theoretically a zombie film it's about these two characters and one thing i really enjoyed about this movie is the fact that they really did not focus on zombies or killing zombies like i mean there's parts where obviously ben goes a little bit batshit crazy but they don't show it oh wait you know we're not letting jp talk no 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 i'm just trying to remember everything like oh yeah there's just like so much to say about this one yeah yeah and um but yeah getting back to the whole discman thing the uh the fucking soundtrack in this movie. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Such a good soundtrack for an independent film. Like, I, it's just fucking amazing. It's really, really good. The so. first thing I want to say is just when you thought that it couldn't be done, the genre was oversaturated and the, the subgenre, that is, you, you just thought nothing's going to come out of this anymore. Nothing original, no, no new take, no, nothing different. This comes out of nowhere, and this is why I love horror, because this film was made for $6,000, right? doesn't yeah. look yeah. like it. doesn't feel like it. You, you might say, well, uh, you know, the, n- nothing really happens early on. I've heard that. I've heard people say that. Yeah. The but whole that's the beginning charm is though. character development. Yeah. They took something that, that limited them, and they turned it into something else. And they 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 develop these characters so goddamn well in this film. I think I think when people are saying that nothing's happened, I think they're I think they're kind of missing the entire point of the yeah, film. It's yeah. not a zombie film. It I mean it has zombies in it. No, it's a it's zombie about, film. It, it the is the best zo- zombie films are about the characters. Exactly. This movie is about them, yeah. and I think I think what people are missing is that you know I think they're they're kind of hoping for a little more you know blood and gore. Maybe Fuck maybe that. that's what they're. But it this movie completely doesn't need it. Not See, at all. And like and like when we were like talking about like them like um you know, kind of not liking each other, you still see like they they obviously care for each other. Like well, after after the main character one of the what other names? Well one of them ben has a Mickey. guard up, right? I, I wait, when when he's talking to the girl on the radio and he storms Mickey. out and he's all, you know, depressed and sad, you could see him comforting him and being like, Oh come on you know, so you obviously see that these two obviously care for each other in some aspects, even though they may not like each other to a complete degree, but they still care about what happens to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, Mickey, Mickey is an interesting character because there's the, he has issues, right? You mm-hmm. you know the scene where he goes to his old girlfriend's house. You get the sense that they weren't even a big thing. It wasn't like his like love of his life or anything. Yeah. It was just another girl that he dated, and he's looking for something to hold on to because he almost feels like he should have something like that. You can tell mm-hmm. that his his mind is constantly working, and he's he's looking for some sort of uh, humanity and society to hold on to. Meanwhile, it, it, Ben is just. You know, getting with the program and mm-hmm. and moving on and living in this world that they are now forced to live in. Well, that I think that's what it's all about. It's all about acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. Mickey hasn't accepted what's happened, and Ben has. Yeah, that's why he. You won't know, Ben, kill is, ben has moved on, and, yeah, that, and Ben and Ben understands 
you know, he's accepted what's going on, but he understands that now it's all about survival. Mickey is just not there yet. Yeah, and we And I that's love- why and that's why Ben does what he does and Mickey's just obviously very hesitant on any type of violent activity mm-hmm. and stuff. It's just not him, but he hasn't fully understood the situation. He can't accept that this <clears throat> is life now and this is how it's going to be. Uh, that's why he's looking for more people in another group. He just can't accept that that this is how it's going to be. Me and you, you know, walking through this world together. He wants something more, and he wants it to go back to how it used to be. And it is about. You're absolutely right. It's about Mickey's character accepting it, and Ben trying to help him uh, through that. Um, and oh my God, the 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 scene, the scenes where they are bonding are the- just. Wow. It, yeah. There's there's some really, really great dialogue. And, you know, Ben makes – he continuously makes really, really fucking good points, especially – you guys can probably agree with the scene where, um, you know, Mickey makes a stand and he said, fuck, we're staying here. He mm-hmm. said he's tired of fucking moving yeah. along. He wants, to, he wants to sleep in a bed. He's tired of sleeping in the car and, you know, he wants to sleep in a bed one night and he makes a stand. He said, fucking, we're staying here. And Ben says, OK, I yeah. guess we're staying the night. And, you know – and then all of a sudden, Mickey can't find his headphones. Yeah, I love that fucking scene that because scene Ben is brilliant. He, he takes them off, and then he explains to him why he why he's not getting them back until the morning. And I yeah. think it's fucking brilliant. It's it absolutely is. brilliant. And, and then what Ben does to Mickey is even more brilliant. Yeah, and that goes back to him, he, he makes not, him get into the moment. You know. Yeah, that so. that goes back to Mickey not wanting to accept things. He he lo- yeah. he locks himself away in <sighs> in the music because that's that's an outlet. Or you know, an out. It's an out to to not have to deal with what's going on around him. And he knows that you know Ben is more serious, and he's gonna you know pay attention. And mm-hmm. it's not fair to Ben. And Ben sees that. You know, this is this is a you know not a give take yeah. relationship or whatever. And you know, you can tell that he's frustrated. And all of this, all of this, this first big part chunk of the movie that people complain about nothing happening is. Like so much is happening. Yeah, that's it's so the, rich and dense. You just had to like, yeah. Just because there's not blood and guts doesn't mean that there's not, you know, stuff to look at. There, I mean, there's. I I literally think we could look at scene by scene and talk about each scene for you, you know, can twenty this minutes. Is a film you could so dissect much. every single scene in it, mm-hmm. and one of this even there's so many just throwaway things like when he pulls the notepad out and he has the tally marks on there. And he has how many zombies he killed? You never see that. Yeah, yeah. You never see that thing mm-hmm. again. But it's interesting when he pulls it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was what, maybe like a hundred to two. Yeah. I don't. What, I thought it was a, like. Did he have any? Did Did Mickey have any? I well, think he has the one. Yeah, one. afterwards. Yeah, I think it was after. I think that he. I actually can't even remember now. Now, do but, you guys <clears> think that Mickey changed after he killed what happened in the bedroom? Well, he—that was his acceptance. That was mm-hmm. his, him getting over that obstacle. But do you think that he really accepted it? Because we really don't see him have any violent tendencies again in the rest of the film. So, do you really think he got over it, or just? I do, I do, yeah. because it—it it also was a. Th- th- then you see them getting along, right? You uh-huh. see them, them friends, and and how it should have been the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he definitely got over something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think at that point that he just accepts what he what he probably needs to do in those type of situations, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he had fully accepted the fact that like, you know, that he wants to, 
you know, he doesn't want to turn into Ben completely, but he does understand that, you know, if it comes down to it, he has to do that. Yeah. You know, because him, Ben and Mickey are, they're a team, they're the battery. Right. So I think he understands and he, I mean, Mickey doesn't want to lose Ben. Like Ben doesn't want to lose Mickey. Um, so, and, but uh, also, you know, I love the, the whole time, uh, Mickey is looking for the other group, the, the orc, the orchard, orchid, orchard, orchard. Uh And we, we get hints at what that is. You know, but we never officially see what it is. We never really know what's going on there. Doesn't matter, and you don't need to. No, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think if they like explained it what it was, I think it would have ruined the film because it takes away from yeah. It's you know, probably the ending of twenty eight days later, like yeah. that. You know, that's probably yeah. what it is. But we don't yeah. need to see it. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the you know the music once again works you know so perfectly. Uh, the the ending of the film without you know, going into spoiler territory. I absolutely loved the ending to this. I film. have never whole... felt more. I've never felt more claustrophobic watching a film. Like, I know, oh, fuck. I know, Mood said watch Crawl or Die, but like oh, yeah. this film is so claustrophobic. Like the last twenty minutes of the film, I felt like mm-hmm. I had to like get up and walk around because I was like so enclosed in this, you know, this close quarters yeah. with these guys and you know the car is always moving and things like that so i i you know I've, I've never felt like that and like the last time i like thought of something that i felt like that before was the defied which also is very a very claustrophobic type of a film <laughs> but this this one was just, just I, insane i, I, I fucking love the line where mickey's sitting in the front seat and he turns to he turns to ben and he goes it's like rain on a tin roof. <laughs> yeah. And then he yeah. fucking puts his fucking headphones on. I fucking yeah. started laughing yeah. so hard. Also, it's such a good line. Being in that situation would totally suck. So much dick. Like, oh, I'd rather just like kill myself than be stuck in the car like that. Like the the scene where they first meet that the character who is trying to get home to his family, mm-hmm. all the way to post credits is absolutely perfectly executed and i i mm-hmm. thought during that i was like they're gonna fuck it up somehow they're gonna fuck it up somehow like i felt like it was gonna go in a direction where i didn't want it to and it never did it it just it and the whole that whole stretch was just perfect for me from them getting drunk in the car uh to the amount of stuff that they were able to do in the car, right? I mean, yeah. that that is what we talk about all the time when we're dealing with contained situations is how do you make it mm-hmm. interesting to sit in this one place with these characters and they made it interesting and there was even a l- little bit of survival talk which I like, you know. The uh the water talk, I I fucking going back to the great dialogue in the film. You know, it, it's very simple but it fuck it's so effective. Just the way Ben executes what he when he says about you know he asks Mickey he's like how much water do you think yeah. a person has to drink every mm-hmm. day <clears throat> and then Mickey's like I don't fucking know yeah and just wait till we have to drink our own piss it's like mm-hmm. man and yeah. it's like reality one of the characters you know exits the car mm-hmm. and we don't follow him and I love that I oh my Actually, god that stretch of that scene, scene was like so just if tense. if you watch if you watch Ben. Or, <laughs> If you watch the character, um, it's fucking – it's so intense Yeah. because 
at this point, the you know the windows are you know they've you can't see out of it, right? Which was good. That's once again, obviously, that was a money issue, right? How do we deal with not showing the extras? But know? I think I think that they worked around it so perfectly. That's with, what I'm uh, saying. The reason why too, because I mean, Ben even says he goes, "I am so fucking tired of seeing." Yeah. yeah. I, he's like, I can't fucking look at them anymore. They explain so, it away, and it makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and time and time again in this film, it does that. These yeah. these this these yeah, filmmakers do this stuff, and it yeah. it's so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything really does make sense. Um, but yeah, the, the fucking ending is so good. Yeah, and what you were saying about uh, the character. Um, because what was you saying they had before I cut you off there uh, about, uh, I said the character exited the car. We don't follow him. You said they had stuff, uh, taped up. Oh yeah. With the, uh, um, just the way that whole scene plays out. I mean, you're watching this character in, in the car. Just like, wait. And, but it's so intense. Cause all it is, is just that, you know, that groan sound, you know, of, of zombies out there, but it's basically that character kind of being so agitated by the whole situation and it never they never lose focus of that and he plays it so well like he's scared to death and he's just trying to distract and he's trying to distract he lights up another smoke and he's just trying to you know uh just know like you know just wait and we're waiting with him we're just he sure smoked a lot (laughs) which i would be chain smoking too he had like a cigarette in his mouth the entire film i found it hilarious um yeah and you know, even the dialogue at the end of the film, just perfect. Oh, my God. And we didn't even talk about the zombies, but slow. Like yeah, I was slow. Yeah. Even extra slow. These are like, like Night of Living Dead slow. And, yeah. and, and they're makes, dumb. They, like, don't grab them. Like, when they're sitting in the car and the window's open, they could, like, easily, like, you know, grab them. But they don't, like, do that. They just, like, touch them. And they're like, oh, I love those kind of zombies. I don't want, like... <laughs> Dawn of the Dead remake zombies. Actually, that reminds me of, of one part in the film that I fucking I laughed so hard out loud when uh, <laughs> when Ben the Nipoli let, zombie. The, what's that? <laughs> yeah, that no, part no, laughed too. Um, besides that part, that was just fucking hilarious. Yeah, that so part, funny. absolutely ridiculously funny. Um, no, but the part where Ben lets that fat zombie out of the car, yeah, oh, yeah. and then goes into the car and like, just the way he reacts to the the. <laughs> Fuck the way he's doing it, I fucking pissed myself, man. It was like it was actually the worst thing he'd ever smelt in his life. Yeah. But you know, he the, pulls it off so well. I love how these zombies aren't that threatening, you know, mm-hmm. by themselves, one. But the moment when they realize like they're in deep shit when they're sleeping in the middle of the night, and it and it it's perfect why they're there and stuff, like mm-hmm. and, and and you see the situation, it is just terrifying and it it makes zombies scary to me uh you know that happening where it's just it's pure numbers and just not being able to escape from that many yeah like i said it was so claustrophobic like that entire sequence that was scary to me because it's like man i cannot imagine being in that same situation like i don't i don't understand why they didn't just do what happened at the end of the film. Why both of them didn't just do that? Because it's just, what are the chances, right? I mean, they just didn't think that it would work. They discuss it. It's like I don't. Yeah, think I know they discuss it, but mm, yeah, I, I know. I think I think probably everyone thought the same thing, but mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just it's not how it because they out, obviously, but. you know, what happens. But one thing I really did notice about the casting in this film, uh, Ben and Mickey, you can tell these guys actually played baseball before the way they're throwing balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah, they throw them far. <laughs> I mean, I've fucking played baseball my entire life, coached and everything, and these guys are throwing balls like they fucking played before. Yeah. Especially Mickey, man. I love you know, that aspect of it. Like he could throw the he had a fucking arm on him. It's crazy. So I, I really enjoyed that. You know, they didn't just use guys that were fucking totally just yeah. baseball literate, you know, yeah, kind of thing. I mean, honestly, I think that the only issue it's a small gripe that I have with this film is I feel like sometimes Mickey's acting wasn't as spot on as I would have liked to see. Any specific scenes? Um any any like when he gets real emotional, uh, I feel like sometimes it, it sounds like he's reading lines. Hmm. Interesting. You didn't feel that at all. I don't know well, if it was his voice or what. I think there's one scene in particular. I kind of thought maybe the acting was a little less than Ben's. I think Ben was pretty fucking solid throughout. Oh, the he's the director fantastic. too, man. Was he? He's the director and the writer. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Wow! So that guy's got multi- like he can tell he's talented, man. Because I remember hearing that there was—I I did hear an interview with this guy, and I remember him saying that initially there was a third friend. The film was three friends. Hmm. Really? Yeah, in I the early stages it. of the script. But I think the third friend was like, um, possibly maybe the you know when they talk about when they were trapped in the house. Mm-hmm. I think he oh, was yeah. supposed to die there or something. Oh, okay. But I like that too. They they. You know, they mentioned the whole house thing, and you're wondering, like, wonder what happened. Like, I, I mm. like how they did that. How they, yeah, they just like, handled oh, everything so perfect. Oh, we had to eat a fucking dog. I was like, yeah, I was like picturing in my mind what that situation was like, and like, mm-hmm. you know, I I have I've heard from people that you know they kind of got fed up with you know Ben and Mickey's you know kind of bickering at each other and stuff, but it's really just Ben telling it how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Mickey just not getting what this the, you know the entire situation that he that they're in and it's just ben telling him over and over again well he's ben's like, holding his we... hand through the whole film yeah oh, exactly and and it really sh- in the part where he's like you know we fucking ate dog food and then i i fucking killed the dog yeah, and, and then, then we ate the dog, dog and I, yeah. I killed the dog and you know he's really telling he's telling mickey like this is how it is and this yeah. is how it's gonna be you know fucking get over it kind of thing so Man, I, I really enjoy that but yeah um, one other thing I noticed in the film that was interesting, I believe that they never refer to the zombies as zombies. Yeah, they do. They yeah, never say, yeah, they do. They have they that big just, conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, they say they're, they're like, zombies, man. Yeah, where say he's like, say no, it. no. He's like, I don't no. want to say it. And then he say says it. it. And then they're like, they're zombies. like, wait, 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 what did you just say? And he's like, oh, no, oh, man. Yeah. So they actually, yeah, like, you're right, you're right, they do too. Because I, I kept I thinking, because they used the word, because they used the, yeah, that's right, because they used the word monsters over and over again. Yeah, in the film he doesn't want to say zombies he's like, uh, that's right yeah mm-hmm. that's right i completely forgot about that scene but yeah i think that's pretty much the only scene that they kind of do that so so did you guys like this one? Oh yeah it was fucking <laughs> so good <laughs> i think this will make it into our hall of fame again this film six thousand dollars dude yeah man that's inc- incredible it shows you that you don't need a big budget to make it. And, and it shows app. you anytime somebody says, you know, like, well, they only had this much. Like, no, you can do so much with nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And these guys proved yeah. it right here. I will always it's a watch this guy's example. films for the rest of his life and mine. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I, I was so impressed by this. And what a great title to pick up for Scream Factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say. It's such, about, a, it's such a great film. It is a good film, man. Um, Moods. So you you start the ratings. You want me to start the ratings? Um, like I said, man, this movie to me has all the elements of a film that I, the type of film that I love. I always stress that I love films with good dialogue. You know, you could have a really good, like a decently shot film and got shit dialogue and just fucking kills the movie sometimes. This one, it has it all, man. You know, the $6,000 budget. And they made the movie feel big. There's a lot of different areas that they shoot in and stuff. And I like that, you know. Beautifully shot. Yeah. Very, oh, yeah. very beautifully shot. Great, great script. Um, you know, for the most part, really, really good acting. Yeah, I thought the um, script was the best part of the entire film. I'd love to read it and, like, look yeah, at yeah, it. It feels like you just never leave the car, like the camera. Like, yeah. it's just so tight in there. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's done really well. Um, like I even like the, I like the, the simpleness of some of the scenes, you know, the where toothbrush ben, scene. the yeah. toothbrush scene is brilliant. Um, but even the scene where it's so simple where Ben is just, you know, he's, uh, petting the cow. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> like that's another, I love that's the apple scene. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, everything really, really did work for me. Fucking soundtrack was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too bad that Mickey didn't have an iPod, you know? <laughs> but uh, you know, those batteries are just, you know, probably not <laughs> eventually. Where the fuck is he going to charge them? Well, I mean, if you had a, a converter or something, you could find a car. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that was on his mind at the time. Probably was... not. But, uh, no, the battery, great film. I'm going to give it a nine and a half out of 10. So I loved everything about it. And, and, and one of, I think one of the best aspects of the film is that what JP mentioned earlier is that they didn't fuck the ending up. Yeah. You know, it was actually good. You know, that's another thing that just can completely destroy a film is a bad ending. And this one didn't have that. Well, we even talked about like writing an ending is like the hardest part of writing a script because you don't want to like fuck it up. So it's all like... the all the unfinished scripts that I have. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually loved the ending. Like like loved. I I don't even think it could have been ended any better. Uh huh. Yeah, it was good. Jeremy. All right. Um, this is probably one of the greatest zombie films I've ever seen. I do not like zombie films, and like we said, it's not really a zombie film it's more of a character study piece set in a zombie world but it's, yeah. it's a zombie film all right, all right. <laughs> are we gonna have this debate where i'm like saying it's a zombie film again no. <laughs> but well i think i think it's not the focus of the film isn't zombies mm-hmm. right like i, I mean, think like if you're not a if you don't respect cinema for what it is um you know people often see horror films as being, uh, you know, always moving, adrenaline-pumped type of films. And when something is thrown different, thrown, you know, into a different realm, people often get very uncomfortable because they're so used to these typical conventions that they have learned to train themselves to see over time. And even with new and fresh films, we always see these these typical conventions of the of the horror genre. And this one just totally kind of wipes that out and totally forgets that you're watching a horror film and just focuses on these the, the, this development of these two characters and it's just done so well and it's beautifully shot and like Mood says the soundtrack is awesome and I love the way that they use it so this film is fantastic um, highest recommendation for me I actually give it a 10 out of 10 very 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 <sighs> see my rating I've been thinking about all week 
because I was just really did not know where to come in on it. I knew I was coming high. I knew I was coming possibly as high as possible, uh, but I just wasn't sure. And I started thinking like, well, what what would stop this film from being a ten? You know? And I would like moods. Can you answer that? <laughs> I knew. I fucking knew you were gonna say that to me. Um, I, you know, once again, I, I have. I think I have a fear of tens. I, it is a I, little I, I bit, simply, right? That's I what I kept have coming this, back to. I simply have a fear of tens. It's so fucking weird. Um, I, I, I think, I think honestly, um, you know, maybe in a f- couple years, I, I'm, I'm so like that though. I think for me, when a film gets a little older, it just kind of, well, you know, it gets. I don't know. The rating gets. It, is, I'm weird like that. I'm like that too, where I think it's recency bias. Mm-hmm. Where since I seen it so fresh yeah. that I'm, I might be over, you know, viewing it. Uh, so I always try to say like, well, would I like, you know, wonder how I would feel, you know, five years from now about this film. But I think I gotta go ten. I, I really do. I, I think I'm gonna go ten. <laughs> ten. Ten you know, out of ten. I, w- I wish I could actually explain why I gave it a nine and a half. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like I said, there's just so many, there's so much brilliance in this film. Um, maybe, maybe ask me in a year or two, and yeah. maybe it'll be a ten. I, it probably is that new film syndrome. I just have a hard time yeah. giving perfect ratings to. Um, yeah, it, well, I, I don't really have just... a real valid point or excuse for giving it nine out of ten. But I mean, to me, that is pretty fucking high. Yeah, yeah, you well, know, like I want to say that. The, a 10 out of 10 to me is not a perfect film. I don't believe there is one, a perfect film. You know, I think every film has issues. Um, I agree. But a 10 out of 10 to me is just something that goes above and beyond and is just a instant classic or will be remembered as a classic or just does something so impressive that I can't deny uh, its value in, in the film. It, I, I literally... I was so into this one. I've, you want to know the this shame is one about of my it? favorite movie watching experiences since uh, one, Let the Right One In, I think. One of the interesting things I found about this movie is the runtime. It runs about 100 minutes. Yeah. And it never has like any boring moments in it You know, and for such a I low budget. It's crazy that they managed to pull more. off. I was wanting more. Yeah, that's very interesting that they had a runtime. You know, it's pretty long pretty long yeah. especially for an independent film like really you don't see a lot of films that long see but and and the disappointing thing is like it's not going to get the love that it deserves because people aren't going to see it you know they're probably just going to yeah. think of it as a generic zombie film until they actually pop it in and watch it and it's not going to get it's not going to become what it should be if it's not for people like us telling other people about it that normally wouldn't see it. I seen one review of this after I watched it and it said, uh, the only good thing about this movie is the soundtrack. Oh my God. That was literally one of the first, I was, I just kind of stopped reading. I was like, I can't even subject myself to this blasphemy. It was fucking bizarre, man. I mean, at least they got that part right. Yeah, well, I know that, that this film mind. wouldn't be for everybody. Uh-huh. Somebody no, no, who sure. doesn't appreciate um, cinema, cinema <laughs> yeah. isn't going to, you know, your mainstream person who really liked Annabelle probably is not going to get this film and not understand. They're probably going to say nothing happened because I heard 
people say that. I, I've heard a couple people say nothing happened. That that seems to be like the biggest criticism. Is it's called happened. reading films like a book, people. It's not very hard. You just have to think about it. <laughs> I don't I think mean, I've ter- ever really seen characters developed so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tagline in the film has the word survival in it. You know, it's what it's about. Yeah. Working I mean, together and surviving. This is this so. is zombie films at their best. Stuff like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and the movies with a lot movies with lots of character developments mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Those movies Yeah. Just, it was just so nice because you don't normally see that in the horror genre. It's not typically one that you see really deep and interesting character development. It's mostly about the aesthetics that make it you know, make horror films so special. But I love when we see, you know, films that that decide to focus on the characters and what make them uh what makes them you know, fight for what they think is right in the world that they are living in, which is ultimately usually pretty shitty. Well, this film yeah. is definitely in the Twenty Two Shots Hall of Fame with a with a combined rating of twenty nine point five, and you need twenty eight to get in. Jesus, Jesus, this this is probably the best film that we all three have talked about at once. So well, far? this is obvi- this is obviously the highest rating we've given any film yeah. so far. What did the Sacrament get again? It was fucking pretty high too. I think we all gave it nine and a half. I think I gave it a nine for some reason. Did I give it a nine and a half? No, we That's definitely right. all didn't give it nine and a half. No, because I think I gave it. I don't know. I think we missed the cutoff. I think it was twenty seven and a half or something. Yeah, but yeah. So this one essentially is the be- or the the top rated film that we've done so far. Um, and I guess the first entry into the uh, 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yep. Very interesting. Yep, yep. So, yeah. Yeah. At least All it's right. the I first guess. official en- entry because I'm still going back through to see if we rated anything that would make it. Yeah. Well, I mean, put it this way. This is the first main review. Yeah, I think. Definitely. This is definitely the first main review. So, yeah. And that is uh, that is going to do it for episode 27 um jeremy all right so thank you everybody for listening to our review of the battery i think we all enjoyed and we all have contributed an interesting aspect of the way that we you know we perceive the film so i really do hope that you guys uh actually check it out because it's 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 a truly special film and it's one that should be checked out by people like i said it's not for everyone but you've ever if you have a love for cinema and you know what you know what what makes cinema special you know with cinematography and actually actually reading into the film then definitely check this one out so like i said thanks everybody again for listening to the 27th episode of the 22 shots of boots and horror podcast hopefully you download this and burn it to a cd and listen to it on your portable walkman if you want to follow the man man. himself moods walkman this man same (laughs) thing if you want to follow the man moods himself on his channel you could do so at youtube.com slash nesruler fuck mood 616 if you want to follow me on my channel i promise i don't make the same fucking mistakes as i do in the fucking what we watch and the closing statements you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash nes022 and if you want to follow jp aka the man who doesn't include me in the tales from the crypt discussion you can follow him at youtube.com slash double shot j and as always you can email us any questions you have at 22 shots of moods and horror podcast no, no 22 shots of moods and horror at <laughs> gmail.com 
<laughs> and as always, you can follow us on Twitter at 22 Shots Podcast, and you can always listen to us at thedevilseyes.com. And if so you're thanks. download, please download from Podomatic. Uh, definitely yep. helps out. And like I said, my steeply sincere apologies for fucking up on the outro and having a shitty main review. But I hope you guys still enjoyed the 27th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. We shall talk to you again next week with another episode. Everybody have a good rest of their week. Next week is our Thanksgiving special. Ooh. See you guys then. In the middle of October. Yeah. (coughs) Peace. Yeah, well, Hellraiser Dreader's out of print from Echo Bridge, so I guess not. Which which one was that? Dreader, 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 whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so my pick of the week is. Wait, wait, pick of the week. Oh yeah, that's right. Shit, we're already. Oi. <laughs> okay, sorry, JP. I guess I'll make another edit right here. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm tired. Sorry. <laughs> Fucking asshole. I've been up for almost fucking 20 hours, all right? All right. So.